Julia Roberts and Denzel lawyer up. Anchorman 2 waits too long. And Lord of the Rings says goodbye as the greatest trilogy of all time. This week on 30-20-10. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 302010, the Laser Dead Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a rip-roaring journey across three decades from this very week, 30, 20, and 10 years ago. This week being uh, December 15th through the 21st. Not Christmas yet. I'm going to assume Chanukah, maybe? Maybe. Almost definitely Hanukkah. Might have already come and gone. Yeah. <laughs> it's difficult. They should yeah. settle on a day. Uh, no, they sh- have. It's just on a different calendar. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't match the sun. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Santista. Who else is with me? It's ballpark to the moon, okay? And <laughs> I'm Diana Goodman. I had a million quotes I was going to shout out this week, and instead, R.I.P. Andre Brower. What Unbelievable. the fuck? Uh, yeah. That is the most un- that is the most unfair death so far this year. This. this- I don't want to. I don't want to talk so spiritually, but he's like a few months older than Lance Reddick. Like, some what's happening here with our no. with our 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 funny and dramatic bald black actors? What's going on here? I uh, I, I could talk for hours on why Andre Brower should have had a bigger career, and if he were just slightly more conventionally handsome, Denzel Washington would not have the career Ooh. he has. But Ooh. but it's not fair. And where is Homicide Life on the Street streaming? Nowhere. Yeah, it's still one of those you got to pick it up physically for like two hundred and fifty dollars. God damn it! They finally gave us LA law. We can't get homicide. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, well, welcome to the show, Patreon.com. Oh, sorry, Jr. We got to introduce Jerm. Listeners of thirty twenty ten, a time may come when the allure of yesterday's movies, TV shows, and games dims. When we turn our back on the echoes of times gone by and sever the threads of our collective cultural tapestry. But it is not this day. A time may come when our love for the retro fades, when we disregard the classics and lose the bonds of shared pop cultural experience. But it is not this day. This day we reminisce. Oh, Oh, your poor microphone. Thanks for... uh... (laughs) The long intro to the even longer conversation you're going to have about that reference. So long, listeners. I'm giving you the warning now. It is. It's going to be a doozy. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I got some. I got some fun things. Uh, Want to bring up about the biggie of this week? And there's all these little wonderful things in between. Some crazy Christmas episodes. Some crazy specials. And some nutty news. So, uh, yes, in our fourth mic, patreon.com slash laser time. Filling us in on what we missed on our Facebook and on Twitter or X or Blue Ski. Thank you guys so much for participating in the show. Again, this is these are just... This is the uh, definitive past filtered through our heads. Obviously, you might have a different take on things. But traveling three decades back in time from one week, like, say, this week, December 15th to the 21st, uh, it helps you remember what you were doing, where you were, where the lights were, uh, what theater you were in. Pretty neat. So let's get started because we have so much to go over this episode. 1993, 30 years ago, December 15th to the 21st, British Prime Minister John Major and uh, Irish Premier uh, Reynolds, sure, signs Downing Street, the Downing Street Declaration concerning Northern Ireland's self-determination. Uh, I'm kicking myself for not putting in 
his actual title of Tisiach, which is not spelled the way you think it's spelled. Ooh, don't want. Uh, no, Downing Street Declaration. This is a, a huge step towards um, ending the troubles. Peace, ending the troubles of peace mm-hmm. in Ireland. Of just the very simple thing of having the Brits say, "Hey, man, if Northern Ireland people want to be part of the Republic of Ireland, we won't get involved." That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. It basically is like the people of Ireland get to decide what they do, which is um, kind of the opposite of a thousand years of British history. Mm. It's looking like they are going to actually try to unite Northern Ireland with Southern Ireland. And the only thing I could see that could cause the troubles to could come back is if they hold a vote and it gets like, Fifty point zero one percent of the vote. Ooh, that would be rough. Yeah, that could be but, really rough. But thank Brexit uh, because Brexit yeah. is big part of what's fucked this oh, up. Oh, hundred percent. It became an international border overnight, and that's uh, really inconvenient. <laughs> what What really gets me is that looking it up, seventy six percent of Irish young people today do not attend church on a regular basis. So. In the long term, all the death and all the slaughter was yeah. about, do we not go to Catholic church on Sunday or do we not go to a Protestant church on a Sunday? Yeah, you were all fighting over the best starship captain. Meanwhile, it's going to be streaming on Paramount Plus and neither of them will be there. Uh, let's skip that one. It's depressing. Uh, the MGM Grand Las Vegas Hotel and Casino opens as the largest hotel in the world. 30 years ago, it has since been surpassed. Not by I went there. Though. Yeah. I, I went there the year it opened and... I was blown away. Uh, this was Vegas at the height of its family-friendly period. You know, uh, listeners, yeah. I swear to God, there was this Ooh. short period where Vegas know. was tr- trying to go family-friendly. Early 90s, it was still not as family-friendly as compared to now. You yep. think? Oh, um, see. Yeah, no. Did you did you try to, I don't know how old you were, Get but uh, I went as a 17-year-old <laughs> girl walking down the strip, and I got handed every hooker flyer there was. I got tons of hooker flyers, and I was, you know, uh, very grateful for those yeah. because this Reborn. is uh, 1993. It was very hard to get pornography for <laughs> baby JR. So it was like, yay, free porn. Thank mm-hmm. you. But uh, I, I did try to gamble in the MGM Grand as a 15-year-old. I put <laughs> on a big pair of uh sunglasses and a big baseball cap and i just sat down i was like no one will spot me zoom Boom. lady is over there in about five minutes asking how old are you and i'm 15 and i'm not like tv movie 15 i'm actual 15 <laughs> baby jr here <laughs> says dressed like hunter 21. thompson <laughs> he just goes no, you're not. Nah, Get bounced. out of here. Get to the ball no. pit. Uh, yeah, no. MGM Grand now has uh, like 6,800 rooms. Uh, the Venetian down the street's got 7,100. And the First World Hotel in Malaysia is the biggest one in the world with 7,351 rooms. All right. That's and a then lot. Speaking of cheesy <laughs> casinos, uh, Donald Trump marries Marla Maples. They divorce in 1999. Love is dead. Mm. Why? They had a child, Tiffany Trump, who I've actually never heard of. Yeah, she yeah. stays out of the she stays out of the limelight. She, she does the smart limelight. move of mm-hmm. I'm gonna enjoy being a billionaire daughter. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Enjoy being a failed daughter. And then uh the last story I saw, it's sort of something that happened last week. Uh, but it leads to the death of Domino's thirty minutes or it's free promotion, which 
you still hear like old comedians bring up like it's been a thing for 30 years. But mm-hmm. in case you didn't know why that ended, last week somebody won a major lawsuit after being slammed into T-boned by a Domino's driver. And oh I went on Reddit and was just reading these stories of people who drove for Domino's back then. They were real adamant, like, no matter what, we'll pay the ticket, get that pizza 30 minutes or less. <laughs> and, yeah, they had to, They not only had to get rid of the campaign, they had to scrap all the boxes because every single promotional material said that. And they lost, like, an $80 million lawsuit last week. So it is over. You cannot incentivize teenagers to break traffic laws in order to deliver pizza to fulfill a campaign. There we are. Goddamn regulation state keeping teenagers driving responsibly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Next, they'll come for our charged lemonade. God damn it. Anyway. <laughs> I want the death lemonade. I that You've seen me drink that several times on the air, and I told I, you, like, I, I, I drank that too fast. I feel like I'm having a panic attack, <laughs> and I don't have a cardiac condition, so... I think Panera might be like, why did Republican Starbucks make trucker speed <laughs> like <laughs> without telling anyone? <laughs> I've, oh, yeah. anyway, I, I it's just I, I just the numbers are on that one are the thing that shocked me. Yeah. The, the idea that it was like, OK, there's here's where Red Bull is, how much caffeine is in Red Bull. Monster has three times that. And then the Panera lemonade has like twice as much as that. More than that combined. Oh, More than both of those oh, combined. No. And and you can chug it. It doesn't have bubbles or heat going for it that most mm. other caffeinated, caffeinated drinks have. Anyway, anyway, it's about now. This is stupid. I did have a moment with this movie now. Uh, Sandra Bullock, Shirley mm-hmm. MacLaine, Richard Harrison, Robert Duvall, and wrestling Ernest Hemingway. Did oh, not get to watch this. Th- this movie is Could not have. helped by... Um, grumpy old men coming out like next week yeah. <laughs> because it's kind of similar except it's more the drama version about like two old guys live in southern florida and they talk about their lives and such i tried watching it i could not get into it at all mm. as far as i saw though it is trying to answer an interesting question how do you make friends when you're old mm. you know that's a serious issue a lot of people will have problems with that i'm happy to have that explored in media shared interests that's the that's the answer yeah yeah but most of but, your interests fall away <laughs> when you get old racism maybe there racism you there you go put on a red hat get out there kid do your grandparents yell at you too oh they sure do <laughs> uh but here's here's the thing i am still feverishly shopping for a a unique gift for one of my relatives. And I guess I'll put it out there. If you go on eBay, movie fans, you can find a lot of really old, immaculate movie standees from like movie theaters. Cool gift for a film fan, am I right? I hit the mother load of wrestling Ernest Hemingway (laughs) uh, standees this week. Constantly mock me for not having watched it for this show. Like, what the fuck? This is never going to be like 20 bucks. So if you have a fan of Ernest Hemingway, wrestling Ernest Hemingway out there, good gift coming your way. Who watched this as like a 50 year old <laughs> 30 years ago and now as an 80 year old is going, I need more stuff in my house. <laughs> I, I think it, most I, I was I tend to read the descriptions on them and it's like almost always like a foreclosed movie theater or from a foreclosed video store. So that's probably the thing that didn't go very fast. A Ghostbusters standee from 1984, like $3,000. 
3,000 because they're rare as hell. Everyone's opened them up and done whatever. Moving on to even less recommendable movie. Chris Penn, Debbie Mazar, Bonnie Hunt, Charles Grodin in Beethoven's Second. This sequel to Beethoven, the big dog movie. Did, <laughs> He's still big. Charles Grodin is still annoyed. Did you did you grow up reading Clifford the Big Red Dog books and wish they were more boring and focused on the dad? Welcome to <laughs> Beethoven, the Beethoven series. I think this is the one Grodin and everyone else kind of bounces out on. Although the series will continue. Yeah, it goes straight to video, and there's like dozens mm-hmm. of them after that. There are eight. <gasps> this is a concept which has needed eight films to cover I mean, what if a dog was big yep all, all <laughs> i can say is i didn't have a dog until i was like nine i was down to watch any dog movie it was sort of like wish fulfillment porn i i think my life would improve a billion fold if i had a dog walking next to me in my outdoor shenanigans something i really wanted so i was down to watch any dog movie but oh my god hard pivot in the number one movie at the box office this week um the dickless William Atherton, uh, James B. King, John Hurd, Tony Goldwyn, Sam Shepard, John Lithgow, Denzel Washington, Julia Roberts. It is number one of the box office people because it's the Pelican Brief. In a single night, two Supreme Court justices will be brutally assassinated. A lone law student has pieced together who did the killings and why. Now she has become a target. From the best-selling thriller by the author of The Firm and The Client, Academy Award nominee Julia Roberts, Academy Award winner Denzel Washington, The Pelican Brief. Man, you know John Grisham is hot. I apologize right now. I realize I've left out the most important actor in this movie, Stanley Tucci. Tucci. Tucci is so loose in this movie. Yeah, man. The best part by far. Oh, he thought he was going to have hair throughout the whole film, but nay. Is he going to wear a rug? Is he going to wear a rug and a mustache? He's the world's greatest assassin. Oh, uh, you know John Grisham is hot because this is the stupidest movie title of all time. The Pelican <laughs> Brief. How uninteresting can this be? But uh, I don't know. Where would you guys rate? I, I find myself pretty bored by most of the Grishams. No, you know, I they're kind of 50-50 for me. Like this is a, this is the second Grisham adaptation and it's the second one this year. The first one was The Firm, which I think is mm-hmm. fucking outstanding. This, this is... one should work because it has everything going for it. It's it's directed by uh, Alan J. Pakula, yeah. who is like the king of conspiracy thrillers. Yes, yeah, Parallax View, Clue, All the President's uh, All Men. All the President's Men, which is try this movie's kind of trying to be sometimes. Um, you know, you got your, your two biggest stars, the just as there is, you know, the top of kind of the roller coaster ascent. I mean, um, that's, that's kind of a comeback for Julia a little bit. That's what she, so, she took some time off after that's what's so, she had problems because people thought she was on drugs. That's what's so fucking nuts about. Like when I started paying attention to movies, Julia Roberts was already a big megastar, and I'm like, what are they going to try and pass her off as a law school student? I'm like, she's 25. She's been famous for almost 10 years. What the fuck? <laughs> she was, she couldn't even buy cigarettes in Mystic Pizza? Yeah. Wow. It's, I know. Yeah, no, she'd been yeah, famous for all of like five years, and it felt like it had been forever. Yeah. But yeah. the problem, though, is the plot is 
really complicated, really convoluted, has a million hey, it's that guys. You Sometimes you know what's going on. Mm-hmm. You're ahead of the characters and sometimes you're behind the characters. And I, it's too long. Mm-hmm. First of all, it's it's yeah. it's all over the place, man. I, I just don't think it's up there with The Firm. I rewatched The Firm with my wife. We both enjoyed it. We rewatched this and we were like, eh, it gets a seal of okay, but a reluctant okay. I, I bounced after it's, like an hour 45. I was even reading about like the way it's shot isn't clear what's happening and who's doing stuff. It's not just right. me. It's also a very, very deep, deep, super deep conspiracy. Okay. Yeah. How many Supreme Court justices have been assassinated in all of history? Zero? The answer is zero. And this plot is two are killed in the same night. Right. Okay. So already you're being like above and beyond what is actual history. Yeah. And this is, it's trying to. I think Grisham sold us before he even finished writing it, 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 optioned it, and it was based off of, you see the insider, the law firm sort of behind all those tobacco shenanigans. And like, there are plenty of conspiracies for people to make millions of dollars, but it rarely involves assassinating Supreme Court. Right. right. And I don't see how the big bad ever expected to get away with this right. because assassinating two Supreme Court justices on the same day is just waving a giant red flag. Conspiracy! Conspiracy! Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean the, the, the idea of the movie is that she's the first person to kind of put all the pieces together. She's a law student. And she puts all the pieces together because, like, one's a conservative, one's a liberal justice. What do these things have in common? And she... She figures she, it out. She makes and now a message board post. Her. She makes a message board post pre-internet that circulates. So therefore, she must be murdered. What silliness! Yeah, <laughs> now, like I appreciate that. It turns out the conspiracy was a long game. It's like no, we don't want we don't want this to work out for us now. Yeah. Five years from now, when eventually we have a court case that might get heard by the Supreme Court, then this is going to pay off. But also, they spend the time to they have a justice that is like on oxygen, and they shoot yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, like girl. This- Pinch really? the cord. See, th- People they ask should have at questions. least made it look like an accident. They should have yeah. like, waited until those Supreme Court justices were together and then have some accident happen. Yeah, send them a spooky have- TikTok or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, but <laughs> we have some really fun overlaps because this is, we have two Denzel Washington movies within a couple weeks of each other, and mm-hmm. they both involve a man going to a gay porn theater where he meets his ultimate fate. Oh, oh, weird. Oh. It was a real moment for Denzel Washington movies with gay porn in them. This one has a Supreme Court justice going to a gay porn theater. Yeah. And then an assassin with a big bucket of popcorn sits down behind him. And that really, really sent me down a rabbit hole of, wait, do they have concessions at porn theaters? <laughs> I know they, have, I realized, bu- they have butter. They, 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 they do saw. in Taxi Driver, too. <laughs> I guess they do. Do Did you actually research this? Do they? I did. I did. That is so gross. Why is that yeah. gross? It's the trifecta. George Costanza tried to master it in food, sex, and, and movies. Because there's cum on the seat, Chris. Yeah. Well, well, because, my... like, if you get pop, you've been eating popcorn, like, you're going to want to eat with your non dominant hand because you don't want, like, salt <laughs> on your jerkin hand. Yes. Or you might want that butter. No, you do not want salt on your jerkin hand. Thank you. I, uh, I assumed correctly. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so here's a couple nice things I will say about this. Um, a lot of it doesn't make sense. And by the end, it, it's kind of confusing. And 
there was a CIA guy the whole time, but we don't know who sent him. Doesn't make any damn sense. I don't get it. But really cool footage in both DC and New Orleans. That that shot of like Bourbon Street, like that is one of yes. our big major fuck you will spend the money pre-CG amazing shots. Like, how did you do yeah. that? Yeah, that was, and that is exactly what Bourbon Street looks like. Or you are walking down a dark street and it's everything is normal and up in the distance there are a thousand people and lights and music and Toontown is fucking over there. <laughs> and you walk in, there is a massive crowd. That That is, they, they never get that right in movies. They totally got it. There's a huge crowd shot at the uh, the, the Riverfront Outlet Mall that looks like, I think it's a helicopter pull out and they have crowds running and it's like that. That shit looks great. Yeah, but but I I thought the overall movie is just sort of eh. a little boring. Uh, Well, minor trivia that that makes me giggle. Um, I think uh, the the Julia Roberts character is where Paul Rudd was inspired to name his daughter Darby, and (laughs) that's where she gets her name. I'm not kidding. And I thought it was fun in the book. There was a the two characters hook up. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, ah, racist Hollywood. And it turns out it was Denzel Washington. Like, I have a huge black female fan base and I don't want to hook up with this white lady. <laughs> so he put yeah. the guy. He's apparently done that more than once. Like, uh, I don't want to hook up with a white lady. And uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You're Denzel. Do what you want. Yeah. No, it's it's fine. Like, yeah. Julia Roberts said okay. on record, I'm down. I, I This guy is very handsome. Girl. I mean, <laughs> Come on. Like, that makes sense. But I also, I like that. I like that, yes, we should have more things where they don't have to shove in a romance. I appreciate that. I also love that, you know, this is, it's basically a journalism research movie. And it's like the last moment it could be truly analog. Right. I think they use one cell phone once. The main character, the main characters are not Ah. lawyers. No, but also no, no computer databases, really. Mm -hmm. It's all books and files i am i'm so excited to talk with you diana about the paper next year because to Mm -hmm. me that is the last analog newspaper film ever i am actually really looking forward to that as someone who has worked in a major newspaper room newsroom yeah i've never seen shenanigans like that but i'll tell you what they get right and wrong this was just yeah this is what they get wrong in this one is john lithgow as the editor Reteaming with Denzel after Ricochet, everyone. <laughs> he's like a terrible, he's like a terrible editor. He's like, yeah, two uh, Supreme Court justices got murdered. I'm pulling you off the story. Go do some bullshit. <laughs> really? No wants to read about two Supreme Court justices being murdered. Why would that interest our viewers? Obviously, really? there's no connection between these two people. Yeah. And... Oh, yeah. I guess one last shout out to uh, Robert Culp as the president who, man, if we had a time machine, he could play Biden now. That would that would be perfect. Never thought of that, but it totally works as like um, just a really idiot president. And everyone else around him is so schemy. And he's just like, I'm trying to teach my dog to roll over. He was he was like the most ineffectual. Like, what happened? And what what am I supposed to do? Oh, no. <laughs> Way to lead, brother. Way to lead. <laughs> Way to lead. Uh, well, we're not professional critics. How about we hear from a couple of them, Siskel and Ebert, uh, talking about the Pelican Brief and John Grisham as a writer. This stuff has been used countless times before, and John Grisham is simply shuffling an old deck. 
What I liked about the movie, enough to recommend it, was the chemistry between Roberts and Washington and the way Pakula is able to create suspense out of thin air and a little ominous music. I didn't care for the picture, Roger. In addition to the payoff, which you say really isn't very exciting in terms of the, uh, mm -hmm. the, the suspense or the mystery of the story, and it surely isn't, I didn't think that Julia Roberts was very convincing. Denzel Washington, well, he's about as charismatic as you get, but boy, I thought she was really flat. I, I, sort of the idea... Easy. All right. Uh, <laughs> I did. I just made the minor comments like I never noticed before, but like for a woman on the run for her life, her hair looks amazing it like did you stop and get that styled what <laughs> uh that is another one of my really dumb random complaints though it's like okay she's a redhead mm -hmm. she's like oh no they're after me i better go buy a wig and she buys a, a wig that's red <laughs> they don't care what style your hair is girl they're looking for the red-headed woman get a blonde get that blonde bob from the beginning <laughs> pretty woman and no one will know oh god damn it uh and... this was Everything was there for this to be great, and it really did not work for me. Yeah, uh, but TV gets so notable this week um, oh. as we move into television. A TV show is going to have a decade-long impact this week. Um, I'm not even sure which one you're talking about, but let's get into it. Because um, for it's it's a big week for MTV, I'll say. Hmm. Um, and, and I have to imagine some of this is... While everybody else is in reruns, basic cable will strike. And this is the week Nirvana... Is this the week they perform and air? Nirvana yes. performs on MTV Unplugged. And, the and this is the one I'm talking about because yeah. MTV Unplugged is a TV show. This is just another episode of the TV yeah. show. It was not like, this is uh, a special, we're only doing this with the Nirvana. No, they had lots of bands. Yeah. Um, and Nirvana was one of the early ones. But this is the one that will make the unplugged genre a genre this album sells 10,000 cop 10 million copies worldwide and yeah i'm not even sure no. if it's because of the quality of the music or the performance but when kurt cobain dies this is all you had like there was no yeah. other recorded material and because of the nature of its acousticness it makes everything more heartbreaking and i just remember being a nirvana fan then I'm in during my mopey teenage pubescent era, and I remember cutting headphones in half to hide them in my sleeves to listen to this album freshman <laughs> year of high school. Wow. See, now, I think this is this is very interesting because we've had Eric Clapton unplugged, mm -hmm. and that, that was a massive seller, huge deal. The idea that, you know, this guy who's this guitar god could do acoustic stuff. In retrospect, you realize, oh, that's not all that surprising. The idea of Nirvana, who are a yeah. grunge punk band, can do, they can do acoustic stuff. They can, do, they can do a Lead Belly song. Yeah, they close with a Lead Belly song. That is insane. It just, ah, uh, that's the part that breaks my heart. Rewatching this and seeing, like, I would have loved to see them go in a weird folk direction. Who knows? Yeah. Why not? It's it sucks to think of what direction they they would have gone. And I think as far as like a live concert on tape. I think this has to be the one I've seen the most because I'm watching the most MTV. They aired this quite a bit and then triple down on it once Kurt Cobain passes in a few months. Uh, yeah. yeah. In a few months. So pretty nuts. Pretty nuts to think about. And, and, and then made Unplugged a pretty big deal. Like this could, it's not just a one-off for Eric Clapton or to a lesser extent 10,000 Maniacs. This could be your next big best-selling album and you're just covering yourself. 
And yeah. or, or you're just you're showing your influences mm-hmm. or you're showing that you're you have bona fides. I think that's the thing that the shows for Nirvana is. Yeah, they're not just guys who scrape guitars like, oh, they have fucking talent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. And also are kind of funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I want to point out is the CD cuts most of the jokes. Yeah. And it, Kurt Cobain sounds far more depressed on the CD than he does in the live show. I mean, in the live <laughs> show, a female fan shouts, play Rape Me. And Kurt yeah. just says, I don't think MTV will let us play that. <laughs> and he is he is joking around in the uh, television show. But Light and cigarettes. mainly absent from the CD. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the part where... Um, Chris Novoselic, the bassist, and the one guy from the Meat Puppets start playing Sweet Home Alabama, and he starts singing it. <laughs> God damn, that was funny. Yeah, man, funny. And do we have a clip of that, him just fucking around? It was just, just a dude talking. I mean, once he died, it was like everything he said had so much gravitas, but you hear him as just I mean, this yeah, dude they... talking. Yeah, but on a plane's tuned down to a D. Let's just play them back to back, who cares? It'll be edited different. This is a television show. It's kind of weird. It it's, feels like one of the more humanizing moments of this person who's kind of been deified for, by dying mm-hmm. too early. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the only thing he says on the album is like, that was a David Bowie song. <laughs> that's Everything mm-hmm. else is cut. Which, that's another, I could go off forever on why that was like an important moment. Yeah. Because... We we grunge kids, um, grunge is kind of a response to hair metal, which, mm-hmm. you know, the excess and the fakery of it all. And people, you know, my age kind of considered stuff like David Bowie, glam rock, too, is so fake, so phony. And my God, it's just about image. It's not about the music. And to have Nirvana, the gods of grunge, be mm-hmm. like, this guy's a great songwriter. Just listen to the song. Be like. Uh, I, this is the first okay, time I, I heard the this guy song. from Labyrinth who actually was cool. Because <laughs> like by the eighties and nineties, like they, Bowie was, you know, different. He he didn't seem like just phony old guy. And uh, I was perhaps... like, oh shit. Uh, also, no, he's one of the greatest songwriters ever. God damn it. Yeah, and Man. he's just at this point only recently been shuffled off of MTV throughout mm-hmm. his many many transitions. Yep. MTV. Speaking of MTV, again, huge week, perhaps. Even bigger for me, it's the debut of one of my favorite sketch comedy series of all time. I went and dug this up. Not sure how to play an audio, but I'd never seen it before. It's a promo, uh, and they're talking about their show and being surveilled and followed by a ton of, uh, what do you call them, men in black. What is it? It's the state. Oh, God. When? Soon. Fridays. Got it. Fridays. At night? What do you think? Friday nights at 10. Be careful. They'd kill us if they found out. We better watch our step. Runs into a tree. Uh, but, oh, that clip is so good, I want to dip my balls in yes. it. Yes. And this, this episode in particular, look as far as first episodes go, the hormone sketch, which I think is the first time I'd ever seen a woman masturbate or even be referenced on television. <laughs> Great sketch. The mud wrestling sketch, the MTV parodies, concluding with an MTV unplugged with forever slash you'll always give me a boner. I'm not sure I heard the word boner on television before this. Hmm. Uh, it was edgy, cute, surreal. Oh, the, uh, uh, 
wait 45 minutes before you go swimming and a, a party full of people drown in a pool from cramps uh, after <laughs> swimming lessons. <laughs> Everything the show does well is, is just right. I don't know. It, I, I recently revisited the entire series on Paramount+. Plus. It's had all the music scrubbed, but it is a little more elegant than is done on the DVDs. Barry and Levon has to be completely re-recorded because mm. there is a hard Marvin Gaye song in there. <laughs> yeah. But they have, was it, $240 worth, worth of Putin? It's just weird. And you might be asking yourself, Barry LeVon, how did you get $240 worth of Putin? <laughs> Never you mind. Never you mind. <laughs> uh, the state. So, growing <laughs> up, I always thought anyone on TV is always going to be this huge millionaire person. Yeah. But I was uh, watching the interview from the recent year of uh one of the state stars and guess how much a week they were making uh oh. probably like in the hundreds if, if that four hundred dollars a week wow. <laughs> wow yeah mtv is pretty fucking notorious for that like because i can't not watch things with the jack the surviving jackass members and they say the same thing it's like we were paid a hundred bucks per stunt oh my god so that's yeah eight hundred dollars a week in today money mm-hmm. to try to to write and perform a TV show and pay rent in New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what? Yeah. I, this one, I, I don't know why I ignored it kind of when it first came out. I think I saw it maybe a year or two into its run. There's only 25 episodes. <laughs> I didn't That's realize because it ran for a bunch of years, but they only did a couple episodes a year. And God damn, it's good. And so many ridiculous people... I'm watching the new Reno 911 now. Yep. 30 years people. later with these same people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're Michael Ian Black. You're Robert Ben Garant. You're Carrie Kenny Silver. Thomas, uh, Thomas Lennon. Joe LaTrulio. Camarino. Michael Showalter. David Wayne. Director David Wayne. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of ridiculous. It is another one of these where it's like, how did all these talented people end up in the same spot exactly? And I guess they all like each other enough that they keep working together for a thousand years. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw most of these same guys. I went to the Viva Variety yeah. reunion show <laughs> last year, and yeah, it's mostly the same people. It yeah. was hilarious. Oh my god! I love that that trivial point that uh, Carrie Kinney's dad is does all the voiceover work, and he's the voice of Lionel from Thundercats. That's why wow. they have awesome voiceovers for the state. It's a very very real voiceover guy. Uh, oh my god! And and I guess part of their their legacy is that they didn't stick around too long and get mad at each other and they weren't necessarily fired. It involves the next network we can talk about from 30 years ago because they left uh, MTV to go join CBS and CBS just kind of forgot about them and Mm -hmm. it just withered away and it wasn't fair. But uh, this week in news, CBS, which had been the broadcaster of the NFL games for 38 years. Wow. They lose the rights to the uh, NFL telecast uh, to Fox. Fox wins the rights to NFC games by offering a then record $1.5 billion for the NFL f- over f- over four years. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and the jokes of what are they going to, what's Fox going to do with the NFL? Now there's going to be more titties. And booty, booty, booty. Al Bundy's going to stick his hands down his pants. <laughs> And, of course, it ends up messing up The Simpsons for the rest of the decade, which is the only thing I remember about this. That and baseball. I wish it never happened. Uh, Speaking of Fox, Shannon Doherty, Brenda, uh, she's fired from from Beverly Hills 902 this week. 
Oh is no. she fired? She's fired, fired. Yeah. Uh Aaron Sp- Aaron Spelling, uh the producer of the show, his daughter, who just happened to be on this show, yeah. so uh, was having problems with her. And so uh they got fired. Uh she got fired anyways, and uh apparently it got physical. Yeah. We got a clip of uh who is this? GD Garth talking about it. And do you remember what that fight was about that got physical? I do. But I don't want to say because it's so stupid. It's so it's dumb. Really you guys were, you were so each young. Other, and we're she like pulled your skirt up. Like, yeah, and my. She pulled your skirt yeah, up. I didn't care for that. Right, right, right. Like who does? I don't right. do that to someone. Right. Yeah, yeah. I could. See. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's interesting because reading in the trades, they like don't want to make a big to do about it. Like uh, Shannon Doherty is stepping aside from the show right now, and they're not oh, publicizing this was she's fired. All over the tabloids. Yeah. This was a constant mm-hmm. thing, and it's such a pre-internet world mm-hmm. because oftentimes the things in the tabloids were far far worse than what was going on set. But you can't put out a tweet and say this didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, so the first show Shannon Doherty would be bounced from uh, in her history, but hope she gets better. Um, also this well, week... Oh, it's because she is difficult, which either means she is a bitch or she is uh, awesome. Uh, difficult. Uh, she was good in Playboy, but uh, <laughs> that's all I remember from 1994. Mm. Sorry. Sorry, I had the Playboy. Somebody I knew had the Playboy, and then I had it for a long time before the internet. Very important to a young boy. Uh, It doesn't matter. Everything we've talked about, none of that is number one. The number one show this week airs the episode Twas the Blight Before Christmas. And it's like not even close. Home Improvement is killing it so hard. Even I like like Christmas episodes. I'm going to check this out. This sucks. (laughs) I can't believe this is the number one show. This is impossible to enjoy. It, it's one of those things where it just reminds you that what is popular isn't necessarily going to stick around. In yeah, the like these aren't even because... jokes uh, at all. It's just a, a laugh track that goes for 40 seconds after everything they say. But this episode did have a line that has stayed right. with me for 30 years. Okay, so in this episode, Tim wants to build the ultimate Christmas light rig, but Randy wants to go with his friend skiing, and like, you can't be away from your family at Christmas. Why not? Uh, you have three kids. Get rid of one of them for Christmas. It's, it's kind of ideal. Uh, but here's a clip that stuck with JR. Dad, all I wanted to do was be with my friends. A lot of people I like are going to be down there. Christmas is not about being with people you like. <laughs> It's about being with your family. (laughs) And that did stay with me. It's like, all right, I guess. Yeah, I'm one of those few people who gets along with his family and we're going through a thing right now and it's been uh, unbelievably ideal. So yeah, I'd love being around my family uh, during the holidays. Don't get it, uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor. And then... Also, a special this week for MTV, my gateway into MTV, Beavis and Butthead. Here's what's confusing. The show debuted in March. Uh, mm-hmm. This is part of their third season, <laughs> which is currently <laughs> airing. Third season, who do they think they are? Letterkenny? You can't make that many seasons in a year. Uh, a very special Beavis and Butthead, a very special Christmas with Beavis and Butthead. And the budget on this is so ramshackle. 
I forgot. I remember this vividly, and you probably do too. Uh, it, there is no new animation. It is just them watching music videos, just them watching right. TV. But it is kind of great because it's watch it now. It's like where else are you going to see a, a truncated Hall and Oates Christmas video, California Raisins, Run DMC, The Ramones, Max Headroom? They're <laughs> commenting on it all, and I always say Beavis and Butthead holds up always better than I think it's going to but this was very much like ooh you are flying by the seat of your pants there's a sequence where they're just watching a static fireplace log here's your 30 seconds from that (laughs) check it out (laughs) wood (laughs) wood Peanut. What? Peanut. I'm just, you know, making conversation. I I don't know if that's awful or the funniest thing I've ever heard. I really, I can't tell anymore. My brain is completely broken. (laughs) But again, wasn't anything like that on television at the time. Cartoon characters say anything like that. Uh, not even the Simpsons. Uh, but yeah, somehow in its third season, <laughs> eight months into its tenure, um, Beavis and Butthead's Christmas special. Ooh, full moon direct to video squeaking into the squeaking into fucking TV segment here. I'll allow it. Uh, Beach Babes from Beyond starring which Este- Estevez, Swayze, and Travolta. Don't ask which ones. Yeah. Don't ask which one. <laughs> I'm guessing Joe, yeah. Joe, and Joe. Joe. <laughs> now this this stars Don Swayze, uh, Joey Travolta, and uh, oh gosh, Don Swayze. And, Don Swayze. Uh, yeah. It's got to be Joe Estevez. So it's come on, Joe it's Joe Estevez. It's that or Emilio. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that is fantastic. I really hope they they played that up on the the box of just Estevez. No, Swayze. no, the what box is nothing but titties, uh-huh. nothing but titties on this box. I don't know, still sells. Yeah, I guess that's. But come on, everyone's got titties. You guys have Don Swayze. <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> Don Swayze. It is, it is a little more special. Uh, <laughs> We don't all have Swayze's on our butt. Oh, um, okay. And then lastly for TV, remember what I said last week? The Simpsons didn't go back to the Christmas well, like uh, for a while, and didn't hear. It's a classic episode, but it's got nothing to do with the holidays. On The Simpsons, it's Dollar Sign Springfield or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Loved Legalized Gambling. Ah, uh, nonstop one-liners out of this bad boy. My yeah. God, every time I think. Wait, that was that episode too? Oh my god, that was that episode too. Lisa dressing is Florida. Uh, every time I go to Vegas with a friend who finds out they have a problem with gambling, somebody becomes a gambler. Always. <laughs> uh, like <laughs> Always. Um, my home state is uh, recognized in this episode. Hello, Florida. <gasps> I'm not a state. I'm a monster! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's still kind of accurate. Uh, 
That's and, so a thousand percent accurate. But also, uh, you know, Mr. Burns turning into Howard Hughes, and we'll take this Bruce Moose. Yes, get, get in. <laughs> nice model. Model. Very, very good. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know, I don't know why it happens a lot in VGA when somebody insults me. I tend to use Goulet's line here. <laughs> Are you sure this is the casino? I think I should call my manager. Your manager says for you to shut. Vera said that. <laughs> I love that. I line. mean, there are there are line after lines. I, I I've quoted the you know uh, pimply faced teenager. Ah, what are you going to do? Go start your own casino with all your friends? I'd like to see that. <laughs> Boy, he sure showed me. <laughs> very but very good. My favorite moment from this episode of nothing but classic favorite moments is this scene. Who are you? Oh, Master Burns. I mean, carry on. Ah, oh, my legs can't get me. Who will provide for me, little one? Montage of laughing. <laughs> oh, what were we laughing at? Oh, right, the crippled Irishman. <laughs> Oh boy, yeah, good episode. Also, uh, oh, got to move on to games. It's another huge week celebrating the Sega system, the Secret of Monkey Island uh, for Sega CD. Sure. So I had this on the PC. I was the world's biggest Lucas Arts fan. Mm-hmm. I read some magazine, which was uh, the the Sega CD version is going to be so much greater, and I thought for some reason that it was going to be a talkie. Now, it was never going to be a talkie. There wasn't a talkie version of the original Monkey Island released for another uh, 15 years or something mm-hmm. like that. But I bought this. And so for $50 in 1993 money, so $100 today, so more than I am going to pay for Grand Theft Auto 6 whenever <laughs> it comes out, listeners, <laughs> I spent on upgrading my version of Monkey Island from this music... To this music. Wow. One hundred dollars. Boy, those in today's money. The MIDI is so crisp. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, you, uh, Sega CD owners almost deserve to get shafted. What about Seller Fire for the Sega CD? Don't know it. Uh, 3D polygon rail shooter that wanted to be Star Fox, couldn't be. And I, I don't know what the contract was, but this part of the, the way Sega gained ground was approving license game much faster and seemingly had a very lucrative contract with Disney because you get two Beauty and the Beast games. <laughs> like I don't know if fans of Oscar nominees and girls were going to buy multiple Beauty and the Beast games, but you got Bell's Quest and Roar of the Beast. Both out I Genesis. guarantee you, this is how it went down at the game company. Mm-hmm. All right, so we make one version for the girls and one, one version for the boys. We'll stick it in the pink aisle and the blue aisle. It'll be great. It'll yeah. be great. Let's do lunch. Blades of Vengeance is out on Genesis. If that's not a hockey game, I will kill myself. It is not a hockey God, game. Yeah. You're a fantasy warrior. Oh, unless Come maybe on. bringing in a Genghis Khan 2. <laughs> two. <laughs> Uh, bigger, better, and blacker. No, it's uh, Clan of the Grey Wolf for uh, Genesis. Genghis Khan 2. It 
impressive strategy game for the Genesis, but it's a console strategy game, which means don't play it. <laughs> um, I uh, want it to be called Genghis Khan 2 Con Harder. Come on, people. And uh, we also have James Pond 3 Operation Starfish. The last the- James Pond moved into RoboCop territory, didn't it? Yep, but this is the conclusion of the James Pond trilogy. And he would be dormant until 2011 when he returns in James Pond in Deathly Shallows for iPhone and iPad. Oh, I thought he was like doing porn with Bubsy or something like that. (laughs) Uh, James Pond, clearly the best trilogy. We'll talk about this episode. Um, (laughs) McDonald's Treasureland Adventure for Genesis is out. I do not get how there are multiple good games based upon yeah. the McDonald's license. Treasure, but there isn't it? are. And yep. this is the one you can actually play as Ronald. Mm-hmm. And not and not like that MC Kids horse shit. I think this is Treasure, so the music rips and the game is fun. And I'm not sure... Uh, is this the sequel to Toe Jam and Earl or the first one? This is the sequel. Toe Jam and Earl in Panic on Funkatron, which yeah. a series that doesn't know what it's... It, that trilogy is three wildly different games every time. And they're all so weird, they're impossible to hate. They're impossible for me to love. It's just they are they are some of the most '90s relics the entire '90s produced, uh, early '90s at least. Toe Jam and Earl. Uh, again, by Janet Jackson is still number one as we move into music. December fifteenth to the twenty-first. Uh, new, new releases or release. Jodeci's Diary of a Mad Band is out now. And yeah, it's December. It's people's Christmas shopping's almost done. There's no reason to release stuff unless you're smaller or indie or whatever. So yeah. it's yeah. not a lot. So yeah, as December usually, I go through and I see what are like the most popular songs that we somehow never played through the entire year. Mm-hmm. So that's going to fill out most of the music for the next couple episodes. Except obviously, here we have to do something from Nirvana Unplugged. What are we yeah. doing? I'm down About with Man Who Sold the World. Man Who Sold the World. Um, Even if you don't yeah. know this album, most people have now heard that song. They, Yes, they, <laughs> they've heard that. And yeah, it was where I went down kind of a, a weird little thinky rabbit hole mm-hmm. uh, after last week kind of sparking the memory in my head of like listening to the guy in the dorm room above me practicing this riff over and over. Mm-hmm. And I realized he played a lot of music that was kind of more obscure that I liked. Like he played Beatles songs, but not like big Beatles, like smaller Beatles songs. Mm-hmm. That, why did I never go up there and introduce myself and be like, play some Skinner, man. Play some guitar at me. <laughs> yeah, play guitar at me. And then we got married and then he left me for some skank and then I set his car on fire and now I'm in jail. <laughs> every, you see, I try to make every sliding doors version a lot worse than my current life because that way I don't feel regret. And now you're just, there uh... you go. oh, that's a great strategy. I should do that. I sure am glad I didn't buy Bitcoin in 2011 like I thought about doing with $1,000. Oh, wouldn't even be here right now. No, no, you would have had a foot amputated because of that. Yep. There's there's just a domino effect that leads to you you don't have a foot. (laughs) True. (laughs) In this reality, all you're stuck with is a... A man who likes Baldur's Gate too much. Listen to Vigigame Fire Clips. All right, we'll close out with Man Who Sold the World, but don't go away. There's a lot more to talk about, including a. Does that say Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings movie when we get back. We never lost control. The face to face. 
like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. The 1980s were the golden age of mean hard R comedies. I think I was remembering my sanitized commercial television viewings because, like, Beverly D'Angelo's naked for, like, no reason, and I totally forgot about that. I had forgotten all about that because that shocked me, too. I was like, wait a minute. she We see her boobies a couple of times. I don't remember that. This might be a fact. This is the fourth National Lampoon movie? I was shocked to find that out because there's two I have never seen or heard of between Animal House. Two that are kind of lost. One of them's called uh, National Lampoon Goes to the Movies. And Class then, Reunion. Uh, Class Reunion. Yeah, that's right. I think this is the last movie that where it's clearly defined, like Harold Ramis is involved in this in some way. Like we have some DNA of people who yeah. worked at National Lampoon Magazine. Mm-hmm. And now it's just kind of like anything goes. Now well, it's kind it, of like stoner frat comedies, but not always. They, it's really they, the company doesn't exist and they sold the I name. Think- to put on shitty movies that are like already being made, I believe. And they just, they'll affix the National Lampoon's, I guess the R is for the the magazine's reputation itself. It was pretty Hmm. fucking edgy for for its time. Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on patreon.com slash laser time. Fast shopping sprees and them dinners to chow. I ain't concerned with other men with you now. As long as when I slide up in you, you growl. And any dude with you, he better be a kin of you now. And I ain't jealous, it's the principle now. I'm so into you. Coming in with So Into You by Fabulous featuring. Tamia, Tamia, Tamia. Let's go with Tamia. Um, I've never heard this song, but it's out 20, 20 years ago. I didn't think I heard of it either, and it's like it was huge. Yeah. I, I listened to it before on YouTube. Seventy-seven million views. What the fuck do I know? I, well, I missed this one, but yeah, it was in like the top fifteen of the year on Billboard charts. I'm like, I missed this one. Yeah, it's okay. I like it. Uh, other new music releases from 20 years ago include The Lex Diamond Story by Ray Kwan, M.A.D.E. by Memphis Bleak, and Just As I Am by Guy Sebastian. Hey Ya by Outkast is still number one. Okay, 2003, the controlling, uh, the controlling the Assault of Non-Solicited Pornography and Marketing. Can spam. <laughs> Act of 2003 is a law that's passed. Mostly in regards to, uh, I think what got people off their ass was the email aspect of it yeah um and and i mean some things in it are good to mandate there has to be an unsubscribe link yeah but here's here here's the thought people who send out fucking spam generally don't give much of a shit about loss right because they're hard to catch in the first place so this well they're there's multiple types of spam. The people who are running a legitimate business still can spam you, but they're much more careful. The people who are straight up just trying to steal your money, no, they're not going to care. Yeah, but it does it does lead directly to like a couple of 
what would you call it? Convictions, uh, th- this law, eventually, not immediately. But uh, yeah, just if you think about your email at that time, most of our inboxes are pretty limited. And you think about there being no cap on what someone could send and you could never stop them. It's mm. pretty grotesque. But of course, you know, you have your Bible thumpers in there like pornography. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what they were doing with pornography in 2003. I'm not even sure I had a PC then. Uh, I don't know. I just know I, I I get a lot of spam in Portuguese for some reason. I got uh, onto some sort of Brazilian lists 15 years ago and they just won't stop. Maybe I'll learn Portuguese. Maybe that's what the fates are telling me and stop trying to sell me purses i know that's not really yves saint laurent um and then in 2003 movies one of my favorite movie titles ever to combat wrestling ernest hemingway gary sinise ed harris nicole kidman and anthony hopkins in the human stain uh, all right so we have another adaptation this is a philip roth book um philip roth can be difficult to adapt either because of the content or mostly because of the writing like his writing is very interesting and introspective and you know it can be hard to adapt a novel that's about what someone is thinking about because um that works better in a novel Mm -hmm. and this one the casting every every review had to talk about how the casting is some bullshit because like nicole kidman plays like a cleaning lady who's barely literate she looks like nicole kidman (laughs) And Anthony Hopkins plays a very light-skinned black man. That is the twist at the end. Wow. Is that he's been passing this whole time. Okay. Did not... I really would rather talk about the next movie. Oh my yeah, God. the next movie, I think we talked, we've been kind of on a roll with documentaries uh, as of mm-hmm. late. And this is no exception. I think if you care any bit, of, I don't think you have to care that much about politics to get into the fog of war. Because no, I don't think you do at all. It's very, very rare you have someone in this position kind of put their career on record just talking to a camera. And well, but, he was so young when he was yeah. in some major positions of power, and he lived a long, long time. And I don't think you can see of this movie as anything but his attempt to have a conversation about his legacy and how yeah. you should reflect on it in this war we are contemplating in iraq as this is being filmed Mm -hmm. oh we are in the war in iraq we we just captured saddam hussein last week and so Mm -hmm. that makes this really topical at the time i think that this was probably filmed before the war had actually started my guess is the timeline would probably be the build-up to the war not during the right so yeah so this is a basically a long interview with robert mcnamara who was the secretary of defense under JFK and Johnson, who got us into Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Okay, it was released in Cannes in May, so oh. there's no way this was not filmed before the start of the Iraq War. Right. Yeah, but my God, did it feel topical at the time? It yes. still feels topical. And, I mean, and, it, it will it was, always he... be topical. The idea of like, how does something? as horrible as a gigantic war that cost 50,000 American lives and a couple million Vietnamese and Cambodian lives. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, Kissinger! Mm-hmm. How do how do we do... Why do we do these things with what seems like good intentions? And we think we have good intentions. We think we have good intel. I uh, And we have a, a disaster. I got it. Just looking at Kissinger after his death, 
I think it happens because it is the simplest and easiest solution and people will kind of bend over backwards for people who will help justify that. Mm. And and just watching the, this McNamara like look into cameras like were those war crimes? Pro- probably. Uh, yeah. Just like well, I mean he's specifically referring to the firebombing of Tokyo which killed more people than both atomic bombs. Yeah, but it's but somebody in that civilians. position I mean, usually people have to triple down and keep a reputation and like a guy to like seriously and hit from his position to question his own legacy and didn't take a ton of issue with Errol Morris's editing either. Uh, did added yeah. some stuff for the DVD. I think it's one of the coolest documentaries that there is. And I wish more, what would you call that? Uh, high powered appointees would go on record like this. Like just, uh, mm. it's not a combative journalist yelling over you and correcting you. You just get to talk and reflect on yourself. Interesting. It, it, it's, it's pretty powerful. I think I haven't watched it in a couple of years, but I, I was yeah. sort of blown away, barely knowing it, who Robert McNamara was. Yeah, I watched I, it for the first time for this and I was blown yeah. away. Mm-hmm. I thought it's a uh, must watch for anyone who's interested in, post-war america basically yeah. it's yeah. a fascinating yeah. phase he, he covers everything in his very long career yeah i i had to rewatch it both for this and because of Ian kissinger dying mm-hmm. it felt extremely timely so watching this i mean coming away with the the change in american politics into the cold war and the idea of you know the domino effect and and all that bullshit and yeah, how we justify these things and really like it comes down to a thought that it's really easy to start a war mm-hmm. and it's really hard to stop one. Yep. And that's that's not a new lesson. Queen Elizabeth no. actually has a very great quote about that. Not the recent queen. Queen <laughs> Elizabeth the first. Mm. Her quote was, I dislike wars. Their outcome is so uncertain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but it's so easy to convince people to start fighting. It's so easy to yeah. be like, you know what? Fuck that guy. I'm going to shoot that fucker. And it's really hard to be like, okay, let's stop the, the fight. Hey, like the troubles, like we talked about with the art of killing. It is very hard to be like, okay, let's all live together. We we can work this out. No, you killed my mom. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's I mean, how it we're goes. We're living yeah. through something not happening on our soil, but something very similar right now. And it's just difficult to foresee an end to it, but it... It does have to end at some point. No, it doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. I'm not sure. Things I think most of these things on. do come to an end. Uh, maybe. maybe Somehow. Ev- somehow. Eventually. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, d- yes. The, the, I'm yeah, not saying it's going to be good or pretty. They come to end. Yeah. It, like, but it, these things I do mean, come to an end. Yeah. The war between Rome and Carthage. Carthage came to an end. Still going on. Uh, <laughs> I don't know anything about his, I don't know anything about history. I don't mean to say that. It's just, but just there's a ton of people around you waiting to lean into the easiest impulse, which is to scorch the earth. And yeah, it's well, I mean, terrifying. again, with timeliness, we're hearing a lot of that with uh, Israel and Hamas mm-hmm. right now. That yes, this is worth watching with that on your mind. It's worth watching with a lot of things on your mind, and uh, also just thinking about like, yeah, everyone thought. Any minute now, the Soviets are going to nuke us. That justifies anything. Yep. Unless, yeah, yeah, you can always justify things with threats like that. So, yes, Again, Fog of War, a thousand percent recommend. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Does it have a documentary now parody? 
I don't think so. It does not. I don't oh, think it does. It should. But it should. Yeah. I think it's, it'd be weird to make that funny at this point. Maybe it was like the Department of Agriculture uh, head or something like that. <laughs> uh, you can you can have that one for free, Armisen and Hater. Uh, and then let's get into the greatest counter-programming since Pillow Talk. <laughs> Jennifer Goodwin, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Julia Stiles, Kirsten Dunst, and Julia Roberts. She's two for two. Uh, it's Mona Lisa Smile. The choice is yours, ladies. You can conform or I know, be ourselves. It was a time for building friendships, <laughs> finding love, <laughs> and discovering who you were meant to be. You're the one who said I could do anything I wanted. Julia Roberts. Do you swear not to repeat what you see or smell tonight? Smell? Yes, smell. Hands up. Mona Lisa's smile. Rated PG-13. I I do not mean to shit on this movie, but just like that whole marketing is the polar opposite of what I'll be in theaters for this week. (laughs) why they're doing it. That is why they're doing it. Do you not want to go see the big movie with the fighting? Let's go watch mildly feminist dead poet society (laughs) that's exactly what it is it's about wellesley college in the 50s which is an all-girls college and you know it's very prestigious but it's also full of highfalutin people who all just want to be highfalutin wives that's their only job that they can do and julia roberts is a spunky art teacher and she comes in and is trying to tell them no you can choose to be you know whatever you choose to be and some of them do and some of them don't um it's a lot less inspirational than it should be there's like the bones of a really good movie here yeah. and it, it just was way too soft all around for me and uh did not perform well critically but i think it's worth pointing out 10 years ago we talked about julia roberts top lining the pelican the first pelican brief poster does not have denzel washington on it just julia roberts 10 years later she takes a counter-programming movie that gets horrible reviews and turns it into a $150 million movie. And 25 of those are hers. Yeah. She's a record it's for, for pretty women in, starring in it. Yep. Pretty incredible reputation. And to, just to, to keep that... I just watched... Uh, oh, my God. What is the Netflix movie that had her in it? Uh, oh, never go... It's fun. Anyway, the Mr. Robot guy. Jesus, I suck at this. Oh. Um, yeah, just hit Netflix last week. Watched it while right. making a big breakfast. So let's... Let's just do a head count right now. How many of us watch the theatrical version of the next movie and how many watch extended? How many watch both? Theatrical? How many times is my... <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that's, that's uh, I think, really interesting to bring up, to be honest. Um, yeah. But, uh, I, I got to go with theatrical. I try to go with theatrical every time. But, um, but it did leave me thinking about things that are missing from yes, this movie. Yes, things but, you were expecting to happen yeah. because... I only had one viewing of the theatrical version, I think. Oh, no, no, no. Uh, never mind. Let's, we'll talk about it in a second. Kate Blanchett, Miranda Otto, Carl Urban, John Reese davies uh, Orlando Bloom, Liv Tyler, Hugo Weaving, Vigo Mortensen, Andy Serkis, Sean Astin, Ian McKellen, and Elijah Wood. It's number one in the box office because it's the Lord of the Rings Return of the King. How do we know Frodo is alive? What does your heart tell you? Never! You don't see it, do you? Come to me. He's leading us into a trap. One wrong turn. One small delay. And seal the doom of us all. The Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King. Rated PG-13. 
should have played the longest trailer I'd ever seen. They made a seven-minute online trailer for this Ugh. that I still watch because if you don't have time to watch the whole trilogy, it's just great. Ah, sorry, I, I had to run and get my notes. I have notes. Oh, <laughs> well, well let, me, let me get mine out of the way because, I, like, I one, I think of I needed to take a sleep study because I I love this movie and I had a really hard time getting through it in one shot, which I've tried to do with all these movies because. I do love them very much. I fell asleep so goddamn many, like dozens of times. Um, but, well, I always cleared it out until it was the last thing I had to do. It's late, and uh, and it's what three hours? It's 10, it's three plus somewhere. hours, yeah. and yeah. Uh, here, the only weird thing I have to say is like there are clearly more effect shots in this, and I'm just putting this in here as a minor visually it holds up the least because all of those effect shots are clearly 20 years old. A hundred percent. And this is my case. We will never see the Lord of the Rings movies again in our lifetimes. It was made at such a specific moment in time by such a specific creator in his specific moment in time. Mm -hmm. You look at films one and two and they use significantly more practical effects that do not age a day. The force perspective shots will always look good until the end of time. Mm -hmm. The CGI is beginning to wear a little Ooh. in some of these. It's still good, mm. but some there's of, a couple of Some of, of it moments. is like I can see a Photoshop blur tool around everybody's <laughs> silhouette. Mm -hmm. it, mm -hmm. uh, it, but it's, it doesn't hamper the movie at all. It's just, it's just something I noticed. What I thought was weird and maybe you had a similar experience. I was mentioning, uh, you know, obviously I saw this in theaters day one. Seeing Fellowship, I remember, like, I didn't know much about Lord of the Rings. My buddy Sam just, like, I saw this. I think you're really going to like it because he didn't know much about it. And he took me to, to see it on his second time. I took friends to see it for my second and third time Fellowship. Came out on DVD. I might have watched it once a week until Two Towers came out. I watched that almost once a week with and without friends. We watched those two movies a ton. And then this movie came out, and it was like, Oh, I can breathe. It's just like a this this two this two year journey is finally complete. And I also specific to me, I wasn't going to read the books until I was through with the movies because I mm -hmm. love the Hobbit and I never read the books. I probably have seen this one the least. I've probably seen the first two several dozen times, but like it this the theatrical release was like, it's over. And I don't think I really dug into it until the extended version came out. So I've seen that the most. <laughs> um, My story is almost identical to yours. I watched one so many times just because that was all I had. Yeah. And then when two came out, I'm binging on the behind the scenes all the time. And you're right. When three came out, it was over because there's no new Lord of the Rings content. There's nothing. I'm rewatching these to look forward to film four. Yeah, there is strange no film thing. Four. That. It's the end of the journey. That being said, I have seen this at least a dozen times. Mm. At least. Um, I love these films. I love the making of these films. Every scene is like the best version of that scene I can possibly remember. I love the Lord of the Rings books. I do. I think they are some of the best literature in human history. Oh, I do I not. defend that. <laughs> okay. I know. I know. <laughs> but, but I'm saying I cannot read those books without picturing yeah. these films. Yeah. So my entire Lord of the Rings thing is I don't really care for high fantasy. Never have. Mm -hmm. I read the books with my dad as a little kid like oh. we'd read a chapter a night and 
Um, I don't really remember them very well. <laughs> and I don't know if we even finished all three. And um, But he was a big so, fan. No, no, no not okay. really. Um, I think, well, he's of a generation, like, it, it was really popular with hippies. Yeah, you know? my dad had a That's, similar experience. But yeah, my mom's whole thing is, I don't know if she's even watched these movies, because she's like, I heard about it so goddamn much, I feel like I read yeah. them, I don't care. My dad said he read it because it was unavoidable. Exactly, it, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, but I was excited because it was Peter Jackson, and I really liked his previous stuff, as crazy as it was. Um, and I was pretty much like, all right, I'm going to go watch the first one. I hear it's good. If it gets past my high fantasy gag reflex, then I can, we'll keep going. And it kill. I love Fellowship. I still think Fellowship is the best one. And I th- they keep going. And some of it is, uh, some of it is Tolkien's plotting. And I know this one cuts out a lot of stuff oh, and yeah. combines other things and adds some stuff from over here because we have so many characters that mm. we're trying to juggle and they're all doing stuff. I, I ran a list that there, there is basically seven different groups of people at yep. one point mm-hmm. who all have plots going on. Mm-hmm. But compare that with the Hobbit. You care about every one of those plots. Yes. You care yes. about all those characters. That is such an amazing accomplishment. Mm. Yeah. But there are a couple points where it's like, I mean, some of the plots are better than others. The problem is that Frodo's plot, there isn't a lot of it. So, I mean, I understand taking in Shelob from the second book so that he has more of a dramatic thing to have happen. But there are a couple points where you cut back to Frodo climbing and you're like, oh, right, I forgot about you. Yeah, the guy with <laughs> the whole thing. That's kind of important. Yeah. I, I, like, Aragorn even has to remind you at the end, like, we're all going to die, but let's big distraction for Frodo. Let's do this. <laughs> and that is such a touching moment. Yeah. It's just the, the speech I referenced at the beginning of this episode and it touches me. To this day, I hear that speech and it moves me. Yeah. Yeah, I just I it, it is tough cuz I feel like it both has like too much plot and not enough plot and they're trying to keep everything balanced. And they're it does feel like there are things missing from the theatrical version. And I feel that way. I think I've seen the extended once and it was mm-hmm. like at least 15 years ago. I think it has but, uh, like it's still, 40 it's minutes still, of credits. <laughs> that version. It still bugs the shit out of me that, you know, they at the very beginning of the movie. They're like, Oh, you don't have to worry about Christopher Lee anymore. He's trapped in his tower. And it's like, motherfucker, he's done all this from the tower. Yeah. That does not mean anything okay. to me. That's, we well, needed that. We needed that death. That that is one of the cuts that I wish they had put in the theatrical versions. Most yeah. of the cuts, I see why they're the, in the extended version. That was probably a mistake. You didn't want to see scouring of the Shire. <laughs> I would love to see the scouring of the Shire. They never filmed it, but yeah. when they yeah. do this as a high budget uh, TV series, I absolutely want a scouring of the Shire. That's a complete emotional episode. I don't know. It, it feels more like a Dennis Hopper on the train at the end of Speed. Like we already got off the bus, man. What's going on? What, yeah. <laughs> oh well. Do you want to talk about endings? Because I there's a lot of them. Count again. But but that's, well, uh, I, Diana, this film won eleven Oscars. Mm-hmm. Yes. One for each ending. It's <laughs> <laughs> almost exactly. Well, right. should, Give me a second. We should say that like. I think this is a record for any franchise. I counted 12. 
I'm sorry, they lost in a category. Oh, they won. <laughs> but I think Andy didn't win an Oscar. There was one person at the Oscars who won who was not in Lord of the Rings, and he got up Wait, and I thought, said I thought they won. Like, they didn't... I would like to thank the Academy for not <laughs> nominating Lord of the Rings in this category. I thought it, I thought it yeah. won everything it was nominated for. I think it is nominated. It it, I think it, it did. Um, that's it why one of the per people who won said, yeah. I'd like to thank the Academy for not nominating the Lord so of the Rings it holds, in this So it holds the record. Yeah. Like, I think Star Wars finally beat it for a franchise with the most Oscar nominations, but they did it over the course of 11 movies as yeah. opposed to these three. And nominations. Lord of the Rings sweeps Star Wars yeah. in wins. It sweeps mm -hmm. Harry Potter in wins, yes. and there's only three of them. Yeah. There's yeah. only, there's, and that's, that's I think, what is so tremendous about this because it wasn't just good franchise it was just like filmmaking is going to change because of what peter jackson has done and i would argue it was for the better but yeah putting trust See, I, I don't feel like filmmaking changed as much as it should have because of these like everyone was yeah. expecting the rebirth of fantasy that didn't happen because no one wanted to compete with lord of the rings at mm -hmm. least until uh, game of thrones came out on television not the big screen and this cannot be copied by most of the the movie it's industry true, because the studio bet its entire fortune on this film it's they filming three movies back to back it was a uh 300 dollar day filming uh to oh. make these films which is like 10 times the normal filming for a normal film and they did years and years of pre-production the entire country of new zealand got behind this film peter jackson and bankrolled a fucking effects studio so i'd say what it what it did do it, to entrust younger untested filmmakers with a vision for a project that has sort of happened even though a lot of them end up getting bossed around by by the studios and their vision doesn't exactly come across because most of the time the ip is bigger than the auteur uh mm. but i I think there was a little bit of a shift in that uh, after just because like, let's take some fucking chances. Like why nobody had done this since back to the future is baffling um, up yeah. other than matrix. It's a yeah. big or, risk. Or, it? Yeah. I, I think it's, it's more like if you have someone who's kind of untested, but really seems to know their shit about this one mm -hmm. thing and can really express it to you clearly, because there is so much gobbledygook in in all the Tolkien stuff, all the Silmarillion stuff. Oh my God, there's so much stuff, and to be able to like cleanly explain it to schmucks like yeah, me, not, not to go go shit. off on the books, but I think the books are a fucking mess, just a <laughs> massive mess. And it's like it's like Peter Jackson acted like an editor, like we don't need this. These characters aren't that important. Uh, we should combine yep. things here, move things, shift things over here. Uh, yep. Not not to like a drastic extent, but like. There's so much unnecessary crap in those books. And <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, I am, yeah, we will agree to disagree on that. I know story. you're a big Tom Bombadil fan. We all are. We all we all wish he's he took that up more. Bad. He's an interesting character. I, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm not I'm not a literary expert. I'm more way can tell you way more about movies and just it's even hard to critique this as a movie because it's it has mm. winning payoff all over it. And it happens every couple of minutes, and it's even stuff they set up in the movie gets paid off. So it's just like hot, hot payoff throughout the entire time. It's it's very, yeah, very fun. I, but it all I, works. So I yeah. have really enjoyed the last twenty years of cinema. I have. Mm -hmm. So do not 
take this as someone who hates the modern cinema landscape. That's not me. Nothing has topped this for me in the last 20 years. I, I don't this see... This was my peak movie-going experience of I, I... my lifetime. These films, <laughs> nothing... That, now, look, uh, mm -hmm. the best burger I ever had in my life was March 25th, 2009. Now, that's because me and my friends chopped up a cow, grounded oh, ourselves, and cooked that beef that we had uh, turned into hamburger ourselves. And cost? that was an all-day affair. It took about 12 hours. We were all exhausted. And at the end of that, that burger just tasted so juicy and so great. And I know no hamburger is going to top that for the rest of my life. I still like hamburgers. Same thing mm -hmm. here. No film series is going to top Lord of the Rings 1, Lord of the Rings 2, Lord of the Rings 3, each coming out at Christmas, each coming out at the phase of my life where I'm directly best positioned to appreciate it. I have only had a fellowship once in my life. I have had friends, but that deep bond of fellowship with a group of people, I've only had that once in my life, and I was so close to that when these films came out. So they, Pretty lucky. they touched me in a I mean, very well, amazing place. It's hard not mm -hmm. to say these are the our generation Star Wars, just because we weren't even really in the monoculture, even though we don't have like YouTubery to compete with. The internet's kind of in its broadband infancy, but like everybody I knew cared about this. Everybody, mm -hmm. every guy, every girl, every kid, my parents, everybody was into this. The Academy is into it. Like it, it. Yeah. Well, so much of the Academy being into it is we're paying off the series. No one thinks that the return of the King by itself is winning 11 Oscars, tying the record of Titanic and Ben-Hur. I would rather, rather watch this than Titanic and Ben-Hur. Same. <laughs> I, no, actually, I, taking... I really tried to watch this this time. I want to take this as a movie on its own, mm -hmm. completely independently. It's tough for me. And that is obviously it is really tough because mm -hmm. there no, there is no catching up. <laughs> they yeah. are just right uh, oh. in it. They assumed okay. watch Two Towers ten minutes ago. Okay, but if if you take it on that note, don't you have to watch Ben Hur and go, who is this Jesus Christ figure? The movie oh, has not explained this figure to me. It's part of the fun. It. He's a great guy. He's very nice. But uh, we see his feet. We don't really see him. But uh, yeah, so it's like, okay, obviously we are not going to spend catching up time. That's fine. That That is fine. Some of, the, some of the subplots needed like a little bit more, which I, I am curious to go watch the extended edition. So like Liv Tyler stuff. It seems like there's a bunch of shit cut out. <laughs> also, she changes outfits like in the middle of a scene. Like, did you think I wasn't going to notice that, like, these are two different conversations you have stitched together into one scene, it seems. That, that's a, not a, a, a lot there. A fun, um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, Gimli and Legolas, barely in this movie. Yeah. They have the yeah, best line, though. They, they're they have the best line. To an end. Yeah. I never thought I'd die fighting next to an elf. What about next to a friend? I like that I could do. Yes. No, I'm, I'm just... I'm not complaining about, I'm not saying that these are all fatal flaws. I'm saying these are issues and there are, there are different things that they could have done to mitigate some of these. They're, none of them are fatal flaws. They're just things. Mine, my, my big one was, uh, why did you, why did, why did you send the thousands of flying ghosts in on a boat? Like, really, just slow the whole thing down for dramatic effect. Yeah. Now, if I if I want to really <laughs> be a dick, gripe. we can 
<laughs> we can talk about how arrogant Aragorn's grand strategy every time is get our asses surrounded and murdered. <laughs> he he does that well, in two towers and he does it here twice. So the Lord get of the Rings our ass sur- they, they have a hill. They could they could hold the back of the hill. They could be surrounded on two sides. No, no, no. Let's let them in totally encircle us. Mm. Like assholes. See, one thing I love about Lord of the Rings is it is not the modern world and these are not modern people. I see so many fantasy yeah. series where it's like these are people who have 2023 20, mindsets. The people in Lord of the Rings are operating on radically different principles than the individual mindset we have right, uh right. you know the greek hoplites knew not to get surrounded jr <laughs> don't start with me and um but yeah. the whole point of aragon's sacrifice is that it's a sacrifice it is the return of the king tolkien was a very christian writer christian allegory is woven deep into lord of the rings aragon is prepared to sacrifice himself so that frodo can have the chance Mm-hmm. He's also going to sacrifice all his men. Yes, so Frodo can have the chance. No, I'm not arguing with the grand strategy, the tactics. Right. <laughs> Don't let your ass get fully engulfed. That is what gets you a cane. It's literally a term that they use for what happens when you get fully encircled and all of your men are speared to death. Yes, anyway. from the ancient Roman battle. Yeah. All right, so yeah, that is... That is the the the, the never ending endings. I was trying to figure out. Okay, all, why, I do not what? want a single ending to be cut from I this. I kind of wanted. I kind of wanted more endings. Because they apparently no, filmed I would like, like more endings. They, fil- yes. they they filmed all the stuff with Gimli and Legolas that's in the books or part of it anyway, and it just doesn't show up. Yeah, it's, I mean, part of it is just how they are filmed, and that so mm-hmm. many of them fade out, and so yeah. you expect the credits to start, and then they fade back in. You're like, ah, fuck! If we just cut. It, w- it would help a little bit. I did see uh, one of the Lord of the Rings actors talking about how Jack Nicholson said to them, oh, yeah, I saw your film. What did you think of it? Ah, I walked out. Too many endings. <laughs> he stuck well, around, at least. He made it through it the majority ends. of it. There's a lot of endings. I started writing them down. Of like, you could literally stop the movie right here. Oh, Sam's going to get up and finally talk to that girl. We all have a good laugh. Fade out credits. Nope. Going to keep going. But oh, how again, is he going to pick up his old life? Yeah, that is really tough. Stare wistfully out the window. Fade out. Cut to credits. See, I'm so glad it shows that Frodo could not go back to his old life. The message yeah. is that some sacrifices come where we don't get to experience the victory. You are so broken and so beaten that even though the Shire is saved, Frodo's experience in this Shire cannot be saved. In the book, he's like literally like poisoned, though. He's got like a battle scar and like everything's going to suck unless you head off to Valhalla. Yeah. No, I I actually really appreciate that they don't just end with and then the king is crowned and we live happily ever after. No, you can't go home again. I think that, that is a really moving ending. It also tickles me in that like... You know, we don't know the Hobbit movies are coming, and we'll see these people again. This is, yeah. this is it, and like, yeah. and it uh, it tickles me to no end that like they always did reshoots, but the majority of their reshoots occur just a few months ago before the the movie comes out. I, I have so many favorite facts about the making it's, of these. But my that... favorite favorite one is that Peter Jackson films yeah. part 
of this film after he has won an Oscar for yep. this film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's only a shot of a floor, <laughs> but oh but but he does, and I th- I admired that he cares enough to do that, um, and not in the George Lucas kind of way. I like it better this way. He's like, I never got that fucking shot. But it, it's it's a when the whole cast is there because they do reshoots in a bunch of different ways and at a bunch of different times. But like two months of reshoots, the most significant time the whole cast and crew will be together since when they started shooting. So when they start shooting, everybody's worried this thing is going to fail. Oh, what a boondoggle they'll say it is. And when they get back together, I'm like, okay, this is a big phenomenon with a ton of expectations. <laughs> I almost want a, a documentary about those two months contrasting like, you're a household name now. Uh, <laughs> this, you all, every one of you on the set, many of you have been nominated for Oscars at this point, and you're all getting back together for one last two month uh, hurrah to make these reshoots. And 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 there were, and I think a lot of them. When I I didn't go through a finite list, but it, it did seem like Peter Jackson was aware, like we're not coming back, and we're gonna have to give some finality to this. So I think a lot of those endings were part of the reshoots. Mm. No, not again. None of these. I'm. These are mainly nitpicks, as opposed to like, well, yeah, fuck all of this, fuck this movie. But you know, we sometimes we 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 talk about movies on this show with the nostalgia glasses on, mm-hmm. and then we got to try to take the nostalgia glasses off and like, let's look at this. Is this going to work for future generations? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah right. Roger Ebert seemed to think. Yeah. Uh, you could jump right into this movie and enjoy it, <laughs> and like I, I'm not—I I usually agree with everything you say, buddy. But I don't—I don't really know what you're talking about. And it's weird I'd to think of, of this being the weakest entry because it might be the most moved I was in a movie theater, and I still think is the best. Might be the best third movie of any trilogy. Other yes, hundred percent. I got I got one that beats it. Finale of any trilogy of all. Time. Well, that's with that touch. I have to disinclude Toy Story, but a great trilogy. Mm. But it's not the same. It's not one big story being told uh, with purpose and and planning. Yeah, it's just three good yeah. movies. And same with Die Hard with a Vengeance. It's great. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's great. But this is this is uh, everybody complains about. Return of the Jedi and Dark Knight Rises. And you, I, that none of that really, ha- none of those complaints really work here. All no, your there, expectations were lived up to. Meme that goes around. It's a picture of a horse, and each time the horse gets drawn less well each time, mm-hmm. and it says like, uh, first movie, second movie, and then the third movie, the horse is just like this crayon drawing. I saw and one then, with a, the the horse's giant dick is Tom Bombadil. I am not kidding. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and then the, they show the Lord of the Rings in its first movie, second movie, third movie, and the horse is gorgeous in every frame. Yeah. Because these it's it's hard films... not to take it's hard not to take Return of the King as part of a whole. And yeah. as, as much as I tried I and, and I had a disjointed viewing of it, I just still don't feel qualified it's a fucking triumph that in a fitting cap on the end of this amazing experience yeah and so much here is good let me just throw this out here the orcs in this film better than any cgi orc ever 
Yes, I could have used done yep. with a non Doctor Claw voice gadget. But, <laughs> but other than that, yes, it's a it's a gorgeous looking villain. So why not use makeup, yeah. guys? It's more expensive, yeah. but it looks better and it looks amazing and it will always look amazing. Yep, and you can build uh, you can build fucking action figures out of it that people will want to buy forever. So I think. It, it, when I say this changed the course of cinema for better and for worse, it like kind of led to another phase of merchandising to where like hundred million dollars isn't that big a bet because if we win big, we're gonna win real big and for like twenty years, mm. and it's it's work. But I think they they said the payoff for this movie in particular, no, for these these series of movies was fifteen hundred percent return for for Lord of the Rings. Wow. That's pretty incredible. That's pretty incredible. Can I get a yeah. ministerious place set that's got the nice <laughs> little suicide ramp? Because I'm going to build myself as like I got it. We were talking about Sim City 2000. Well, I'm going to go build myself a ministerious. I just I want every city I build to have a fucking suicide ramp, <laughs> just for when the gross guy who doesn't know how to eat tomatoes sets himself <laughs> on fire. <laughs> he he had some real good control over his body to be on fire for that long and keep running keep going straight keeps going yeah. straight right off the edge yep yeah y'all got to put up a sign or a little little baby <laughs> gate <laughs> Stop people going off the ramp beware of falling st- falling stewards <laughs> like uh... see even even the goofy things i love i i, I even love that aspect of it i cannot well, not how do you love feel as a film. book fan i think it's it's really cool that the the songs work their way in and that yes that that it's all a lot of it is from the talent musical talent of the actors like they helped realize actual music to these songs that at this point were only on paper just lyrics in my mind peter jackson's lord of the rings is not tolkien's lord of the rings Mm -hmm. peter jackson makes numerous significant big changes and those were always the right changes to transfer the books to film film is a different media from a novel it is and you have to make changes and i i would have every single person who ever adapts a major novel watch the love and care that Peter Jackson took in deciding those. Mm-hmm. There were 27 months of pre-production for these films to decide everything. And that's why they're so amazing. And, and that's why the Hobbit films sucked ass because they had like <laughs> jackass time of, for pre-production because they were changing all the time. Yeah. And when to if I can shit on the books again, it's why like, uh, hey, how many villains are in this? And they're both... Sauron and Saruman and they're not dead and they're dead and then the, we won but we didn't I'm not sure if I ever want to see the scoring the scoring of the Shire um, out there just I like don't it sounds stupid he disguises himself as a gangster named Sharky yeah. <laughs> what is this it, it's to show that the homeland changes while you're away and you could absolutely uh, adapt that in a moving and touching way if you had time if you had time but if you want to do a five-part series, then yes. But yeah, yeah, you're already at <laughs> almost three and a half hours at this point, man. Yeah, but it's just, a lot uh, to fit in. I don't know that we'll we'll see anything. We it's odd to think that we saw this in the same year we saw the Matrix, but reactions mm-hmm. being completely different. But they're both 
people being trust entrusted with a lot of money to carry across their high concept visions. And I'm just still not yeah. sure we'll see that with a trilogy ever again. Um, the, the Russo brothers come close, but I'm not sure what they were contracted to do starting off with Marvel, but their, their sequences are pretty amazing. Their, their, their uh, contributions to that are pretty amazing. Yep. The, uh, yeah, this, this is, it, it, it humbles me with how, how fucking cool this series looks 20 years after the fact and how well worth it is revisiting. If you have the opportunity, if you have Max, I think you have 4K, 5.1. And like, if you have a way to experience that and haven't done it before, it's cool. It's all really cool. It's a good sheen to put on stuff. I, I watch these movies in 480p on a 20 inch television screen and had my mind blown <laughs> over and over again. So being able to knock things off my shelf with my subwoofer cranked to the max, very satisfying yeah. way to revisit these films. Yeah. I, out of all of them, this is the one that you should not watch on your phone. Yeah. I will say that. <laughs> oh, Blow it up, that, big. That Blow hurts it up, me. Big. That oh, hurts me. It's got them elephant guys in it. Although it makes me sad <laughs> when they hurt the elephants because it's not the elephant's fault. Okay, one last thing. Tolkien was super racist and... <laughs> Not maybe on purpose, but just as the way of a British guy was at the time. Mm. And Peter Jackson makes some choices that do not help in that, like, everything that is weird and foreign is bad. The bad, the, the kind of Arab looking guys on the elephants are bad. Mm. And the orcs are all dark skinned and they're bad. And it's like, yeah. Will they rep represent darkness? And I have no idea. But it, it... Oh, oh, also, the bad things come from the east and the good things are in the west. I mean, isn't the whole... He's trying to come up with a mythology for Europe, for the most part. Yeah, this is the yeah. Western tradition. That is the world of the medieval era, 100%. Yeah, we just maybe didn't need the... Uh, yeah, the guys around the elephants all look like they're out of the movie 300. <laughs> See, we I... Could have, we I could really like, again, that. that he was willing to have the movie be what the novel was i really mm. think that when you try to impose your own ideals on the novel that's not usually the right decision there, let the novel exist on its own is there any crucial part of the novel you think really needed to be in um the theater See, that's the thing mm. no i mm. thought they they transferred everything i could want from the novel into a four-hour extended cut I, uh, if if say 12-hour uh, TV show for every novel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, there's more stuff to add. 100%. I did did find it weird. Like Christopher Lee got kind of pissed about like I shot my shit, yeah. man. Where is this? And like I think he said he had a cold relationship with Peter Jackson after that. He was because he was possibly the biggest pre-existing fan of the, the material coming into the project. And like mm -hmm. he, having yeah. met Tolkien, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the only guy left alive. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, yeah. They, they, that's a hatchet yeah. they buried. He's in the Hobbit. That's Thank true. God. Um, oh God! But yeah, do I not be on Christopher Lee's shit list, man. Cannot oh, recommend these enough, man. Watch them. Yep. Didn't watch anything else, guys. Yeah, it's a no. light recommend for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you had to rank if, Jr., if you had to rank all three films, could you? Uh, oh, okay. Uh, I. Number one is my favorite because I watched it the most time because yeah. of issues we already talked about. 
two and then three. Yeah. I mean, like mm-hmm. for That's me, they too. they built so well on each other. Like, like I always say with Marvel, the latest one was always my favorite, but I've probably seen Fellowship the most. I think it's referenced the most for a reason because it's the one most people have seen the most. You know, people mm-hmm. who haven't finished the trilogy always start somewhere and it's with Fellowship. And it's uh, it's one big story that everyone gets to, uh, everyone's in rather than like these tiny cloud atlas <laughs> cuttings that are all over the place not that that was jarring I, th- I thought it was done valiantly i really liked it and every time you forget about somebody like ah i haven't seen aragorn in like an hour mm. whoosh um yep. very very good yeah yeah they've been the, it's, it has been a lot of fun to just yeah fire up the big screen and really just yeah make some popcorn blast that shit just yeah. blast that shit mm. The extended versions are coming to my local Alamo Draft House oh. in oh, February, wow. and I have never seen the extended versions in theaters. Yeah, so I'm not sure. That's I'm going to see if I can build up enough uh, husband points to spend three <laughs> Saturdays in a row watching a four-hour movie. I I will cover your adult diapers. <laughs> Alamo Draft House doesn't take kindly to distractions in the audience, so. Big recommend. That's all we can Big say. Big recommend. Huge. Real, yep. real hard pivot into television in 2003, uh, 15th no. to the 21st of December, because we're throwing in the TV movie slash straight to video movie, Christmas Vacation 2, Cousin Eddie's Island Adventure, <laughs> which may have been the last time I paid oh. to see Randy Quaid in something. Uh, it's uh, terrible. It's terrible. Uh, Poor Fred Willard. What? Who Who is the straight man, though, in this? Like, is this Fred Willard? Because, I mean... I don't. Cousin I, Eddie's only kind of funny when there's someone normal around for. It's got a Griswold in it. It's got the only time Audrey was reprised by the same actress, oh. and that's as good as they huh. could get. I, it's just one of those things. I, I think I mentioned it the previous week. My my lady and I were talking about Chevy Chase being an asshole. Mm. All he does in his whole legacy, fifty years on, has been distilled into Christmas Vacation. If you ever hear him on a podcast, mm-hmm. do you have anything to plug? I don't do anything anymore. Oh, every Christmas I do. I go on tour with Christmas Vacation, and everyone pays me two hundred dollars for a picture and get a standing ovation everywhere I go. And he seems to love it. Uh, <laughs> I was very happy to see, happy and distraught to see Randy Quaid, who has been in one movie in about thirteen years, is on tour with the group, and you can get your picture with Randy Quaid, who I can't look at the same after. He posted all those videos of him fucking his wife uh, mm. <laughs> that I had, I just somehow yeah. had to watch. Uh, yeah, but that, that I think I said that about Will Ferrell. Like, it wouldn't that seem odd to you in twenty years? Like, that's all Will Ferrell's remembered for is Elf. That's where Chevy Chase is, and that's where fucking Randy Quaid is for real. If you get a Christmas movie that becomes part of the Christmas canon, yep. that will almost certainly outlast last everything you've ever done it's pretty nuts we need more annual movies uh movie shit we really do yeah if i were randy quaid i would not be uh, going to meet and greets because that's how this hollywood star whackers the get star you. whackers oh man yeah. who just happen to come after you when you're squatting in a house you don't own those wascally star oh, whackers. those bastards oh man they made me evade my taxes uh <laughs> moving on into <laughs> real television uh south park this week it's Christmas in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> but what's Christmas all about? Uh, all, 
I, I think we, we've reiterated how South Park's process is done, but never was that so forcibly shown to me in this Wizard yeah. of Oz parody. Let me just highlight, I think we mentioned earlier, Saddam Hussein was captured on Sunday. On Wednesday, this is how South Park ends. Looks like Saddam Hussein. Saddam Hussein? Nah, relax, buddy. I'm not him. That explains everything. The new prime minister was Saddam Hussein once again trying to take over. I think they had to make all the Canadians more French because Saddam Hussein has sounded like the Canadians the entire time. Hey, relax, guy. <laughs> he still has a flappy head, too. I but always it, wondered why. The spider hole. Like they've established Canadians have flappy heads, but so does Saddam Hussein. The spider hole is He's secretly hole. Canadian. Is, yep. is referenced and in, in just like that's insane it, it, story wise it makes almost no sense other than a flex of like this is how fast we can adapt South Park and I, I don't remember feeling that as hard as I did with this episode like Jesus I did I really did not expect you to make a clear visual reference to something that happened on Sunday even SNL's graphics department don't move that fast today it, it's incredible. Uh, also, this week we got Jingle Bell Rock on Fox, which oof, wouldn't watch with a eight foot pole with someone else's eyeballs on. Beyonce, it. Ke- Kelly Clarkson, Jessica Simpson, Simple Plan, Hillary Duff. There you go. Hey! It's your generation's Nirvana unplugged. Jingle Bell Rock on Fox. <laughs> uh, then uh, C Lab twenty 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 one. Uh, meet Beck Bristow is out this week. I love this episode. I am really, really horrible with names. I have the hardest time remembering people's names. And the, Breck Beck is a Hollywood star who uh, just says, uh, none of you are important enough for me to remember your name. So I'm just going to point to you and say, hey, you. <laughs> and <laughs> I always wish I could someday be that famous. <laughs> Aww. All right. All right. And then uh, no games, notable games to talk about this week, but that was kind of the way of things. You get you get out in November and people are used to be done with their Christmas shopping around this point. I know I'm not, so feel free to release your games into <laughs> mid-December. Uh, but let's close out with Into the West by Annie Lennox off of the soundtrack for Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Don't go anywhere. we got one more segment in here, and I promise we'll have some Anchorman references. What can you see? Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner. We go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watch in. And for the week of December 15th through 21st, God, we have a lot of stuff we're already recommending in the main show, but let me get through a couple of these. Um, starting 50 years ago this week, it is the anniversary of the American Psychiatric Association removing homosexuality as a mental disorder from their DSM guidelines. That's nice. Um, a lot more recent than you would think. 
50 years ago because 50 years ago also saw the release of a couple movies I want to shout out. One is uh, My Name is Nobody. I, I am such a sucker for Terrence Hill westerns. These are spaghetti westerns that are kind of light comedies. This one's got Henry Fonda in it. Um, and and they, they gag up to go after basically the, the Wild Bunch. And these movies are so much fun. You should totally check them out if you like westerns, but also cartoonish comedy. Uh, we also saw the release of Papillon, which is... I did not realize it had been remade a couple years ago, but this version's got fucking Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman. That's a pair, and they're on uh, Devil's Island, um, and they're convicts, and they're trying to escape. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good prison break movie. Also, Devil's Island, appropriately named. And then, um, also, 50 years ago this week, look, I don't always endorse criminality, but... I'm about to talk about a Woody Allen movie. You should not give him your money. So you should steal Sleeper, one of his best full-on wacky schmacky comedies. Him, Diane Keaton, uh, he's a guy in the 70s who's put into basically a coma. It's like Futurama. He wakes up in the future and the future is completely bonkers. And there's just a lot of really goofy slapstick and silliness. And Diane Keaton doing her Marlon Brando impersonation at one point, which is weird because she was in The Godfather. And then uh, finally, 40 years ago this week, 1983, I there aren't a lot of remakes of classics that I like to recommend, but to be or not to be, I recommend both versions. I love them both so much. Um, this is the remake with Mel Brooks and uh, his wife, Anne Bancroft. Charles Durning is so funny in this, and so is Christopher Lloyd in like the tiniest... He's, barely in this movie and every time he pops up i just die laughing um i mean the the original with carol lombard and jack benny is incredible and the fact that they made it the wars barely started and you're already making a movie about um what a dumbass hitler is and how he sucks and anti-semitism is bad and we should help these people and then to just remake it you know uh, 40 years later or so with mel brooks and it's bigger and it's sillier. So, yeah, total recommend. It is really funny. It's one of the few movies that he stars and he doesn't direct. Kinda. He sort of quietly directed it behind the scenes. But, yeah, those are my recommendations. Uh, that's it for this week. Stay classic. I'm friends with the monster that's under my bed. Get along with the voices inside of my head. You're trying to save me. Stop holding your breath. I wanted the fame, but not to cover a Newsweek. Oh well, guess beggars can't be choosy. Wanted to receive attention from my music. Wanted to be left alone in public, excuse me. Coming into 2013 with The Monster by Eminem featuring Rihanna. It is number one. Uh, welcome to 2013. Ten years ago, the final-ish segment of 302010. I say final segment, but there's like 19 segments in the final segment. So... I'm elongating this unnecessarily because I have to tell you, 10 years ago, there was one new release, Underground Luxury by B.O.B., but the biggest news that occurs 10 years ago, stratospheric news. We all remember where we were. Yes, I remember where I was. I was scribbling notes of what would become a podcast called 302010, barely able to keep out the news of Darkest Dungeons, the movie beginning principal photography. Was that? Yeah. That is uh, the movie J.R. wrote and directed? 
Uh, no, I am not the director. Okay. Gabe Gonda is the wonderful director of that. I wrote and produced it. Uh, Dark Dungeons, the movie, based on the Jack Chick comic, Dark Dungeons. Hell we yeah. started filming right uh, now, 10 years ago, and it was the most amazing work experience of my life. We uh, filmed for about 480 days less than Lord of the Rings filmed for. And mm-hmm. uh, every one of those days was getting... Uh, up at oh my god early and going to bed at oh dark 30 uh it was just i had never drinking coffee in my entire life before this shoot i was so exhausted that i was like i've heard this coffee thing works and i just started chugging it and was getting like super jittery just because i needed that to stay awake and uh, I've been addicted to it ever since, so it's a drug. Um, but <laughs> the filming was amazing. If you've never made your own movie before, do it, listeners. It's an amazing, incredible experience. Just the joy of creation was so enjoyable, so memorable, so wonderful. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep it in my heart for my entire life. Mm. Yeah, it's fun. I've made movies with friends. I don't talk to any of them anymore because we ended up fighting about everything. Was, was there a reason to shoot around the holidays, just when everybody had the most free time? Uh, most free time, cheapest rental of oh, wow. uh, motion picture uh, equipment, and cheapest oh. uh, fees to rent buildings and stuff. Wow. All right. Good. Uh, we, we filmed inside of a fraternity, and they were completely empty. Uh, because they were all on break. And that was the most amazing filming experience because they had their own kitchen. They had their own bathrooms. So everyone could have basic bodily human functions without having to uh, spend a lot of money to make that happen, which happens when you're filming outside in the freezing cold. Hmm. All right. All right. And then uh, moving on to the movies of 2013, The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug is still number one at the box office as it should be. Uh, well, you know what? I, I was just thinking uh, while we were taking a break, I'm going to look to see if my local Alamo draft house is doing the extended versions because I did, I, I forgot to mention one of my favorite things about seeing um, Return of the King in theaters because it's got a everyone screams moment. I am no man. And I don't know if I've ever heard just the ladies this time in a crowd <laughs> like that before. Every woman went, Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> like Howard Dean. Some of the men, some of the men were like awesome, but like you could hear every woman was all wet. Fuck yeah, that was a lot of fun with the crowd. Yeah. Anyway. And and then I, I I've never quite encountered this. Does this movie exist? And Allegedly. F- uh, <laughs> a weird half broken lizard movie. Yeah. One they're all minor characters in, and they produced, but is not written by them. J. Mm-hmm. Uh, H. Anderson, or Kevin Heffern, and Steve. Let me, those are all the broken. Li- but I don't think that the stars. It, it's not rentable. It's <laughs> I couldn't find it under the the name. Yeah, it was like I couldn't find it at all. And I, you know, yeah. it wasn't one of our big movies of this week. There's plenty of other stuff yeah. to talk about. Freeloaders, Freeloaders. allegedly exists. Yeah, I was finding images from it and didn't find much else. But I guess it's about a bunch of losers who have camped out at Adam Duritz's house. He's <laughs> in it. Um, but he's going to sell the house, and, and now the free ride is over, and they're trying to figure out what to do. Um, and um, then cute. 
please tell me about the next one because I did not do this one. Riyad Mosa, Tony Kruge, Naomi Harris, and Idris Elba. There's a name I know. Uh, Mandela, Long Walk to Freedom. So this is based on Nelson Mandela's autobiography that he wrote. It covers a huge chunk of his life instead of, you know, zeroing down into one thing, which is always going to be a problem when you try to cover everything, especially the fact that he was in jail for 27 years. I I would like to see, I tried to see if there was footage of this. So if you remember, Nelson Mandela passed away just a couple weeks ago. Right. They were doing a royal command performance for the premiere in London with uh, William and Kate were there. And he died during the screening. They got the news that Mandela died. And during the credits, Idris Elba came out and told the crowd. Wow. Holy shit. Hopefully in character. No, that's <laughs> creepy. <laughs> but I, I can't think of any time I've heard of something like that happening. That's that's insane. But yeah, um, I mean, it's supposed to be pretty good. The performances are supposed to be strong, you know, most of the, it, it's watchable if you need a primer on who is Nelson Mandela, why was he fighting for things? Mm. Sure. There, yeah, okay. I like the subtitle. It makes it sound like it's like a third in a trilogy. <laughs> Long walk to freedom. JR, are you sending us pictures of you butchering a cow? I am sending you pictures of me butchering <laughs> a cow. I don't need to see that now. I'm fucking starving. <laughs> oh. Uh, up next, uh, Bradley Whitford, Jason Schwartzman, Paul Giamatti, Colin Farrell, Emma Thompson, Tom Hanks, and uh, uh, B.J. Novak. He's the Sherman brother. Mm. It's Saving Mr. Banks. I promised my daughters that I'd make your Mary Poppins into a movie. I promised them, Pam. This December. How in the world does Mr. Disney propose to train the penguins to dance? They're animated. No animation. Great. From Disney comes a movie about saving memories. Where did she come from? Mary Poppins is family to me. Saving hope. Mary Poppins was a real person. And saving the best for last. Don't you want to finish the story? Saving Mr. Banks. Rated PG-13. Everywhere December 20th. Oh, man, I hate Take this it, movie. Chris. I hate this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dull, silly movie that really stretches the... the the credibility of truth here. Mm-hmm. Don't ever, ever watch a movie made by a corporation about its own history. Yeah. And it's funny. We have two movies here that are both based on true stories mm-hmm. that both squash and stretch reality. Mm-hmm. And one of them, I think does so comically. And the other one, it's kind of to make everything fit into a nice clean story yeah, to make something yeah, like mean- that's still maudlin and awful documentaries exist if you want a documentary watch a documentary if you want a feel-good film i'm gonna go for bat for this i think this is a feel-good enjoyable film and i think it does more things than i expected in this film you see walt disney smoke drink swear all things that I don't think the Walt Disney Company would let happen mm-hmm. 10 years before this happened. I mean, they didn't you know let what, it happen uh, around <laughs> when he died. He wasn't seen with a yeah. cigarette. You, you, you know what's funny is if he was actually smoking, it would get an R rating now. Yeah. So you see him <laughs> with a cigarette and you see him putting out cigarettes, but you never see him put it to his mouth. Mm. Yep. The whole movie. That's a man died of lung cancer. He smoked like a chimney. I, I say this as someone who was looking forward to it because it had one of my favorite people playing one of my favorite people 
filming in one of my favorite places, but it still is just total bullshit and, <laughs> and just a complete waste of your time. We got a discourse. Uh, sorry, I feel sorry. that this yeah. is a Disney movie about how Disney disnifies everything under the leadership of Disney. I feel like this movie is having a conversation with the Disney brand. I Yeah. The, yeah, I see that. I mean, it's the one thing I was expecting it would be very every character would be very one-dimensional and um Emma Thompson as P Travers, PJ Travers, the writer of Mary Poppins, who yeah, the writer want, of Mary Poppins, is not uh, not big on the idea of Disney adapting her movie into like a movie. it's like she's trying to come across as a very like fancy proper British lady that should be played by Emma Thompson, and then you find out like she's actually like very emotionally fucked up and contradictory, mm. and a writer. Mm -hmm. I know, right? <laughs> but her, I, I think looking into the the, the realness of it, she had very real concerns about what Disney was going to do to her story because they do it with every story. And yeah. it makes her seem like this curmudgeon, like, what do you have against fun? Come ride Small World. Like, no, <laughs> like, it, so, someone didn't want the purpose of their story butchered. Uh, mm -hmm. Man, you guys sure wrote fun songs, though. And something about, like, feed the birds, feed the birds. Like, that's right. the worst song. <laughs> I, that's the worst song in that whole thing. I hate it. I hate it when that shit comes up in the movie. I don't know, man. Not for me. And I, I'm like, my mother's really big on Mary Poppins. I'm seen it 200 times, but don't know if I'll ever watch it again. It's it's yeah. interesting, but I, I felt something something felt wrong about it to me, and still does. It's it is interesting to find out like that this was a pre-existing script. Mm -hmm. because they found the writer of Mary Poppins so interesting and they realized to actually make this you run right into the Disney IP issue <laughs> so Disney basically well we could buy this to kill it mm. or we could just buy this and disney it and you could look at it as another level that way of like they have made a movie about disney a story and they disney that yep. story <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep uh Jesus Christ was this Ugh, written by Charlie Kaufman. Tom Hanks disappears in the role, though. He's I mean, I cannot charming. imagine anyone playing Mr. Rogers and Walt Disney and nailing both so I don't go, well, you clearly you're not Walt Disney. Mm. Yeah. I, I started seeing Walt Disney in this movie. Yeah, yep. it's, it's totally yep, possible. Yeah, he was the vibe. All right, up next, a uh, big one here. Michael Pena, Louis C.K., Jeremy Renner, Robert De Niro, Jennifer Lawrence, Amy Adams, Riley Cooper, and Christian Bale in American Hustle. Is this legit? Let's just say, you know, it's missing from Spain. My fee is non-refundable, just like my time. I have royal connections. Those corrupt people, I'm going after them. All people are good. Be good to all people. Are those the guys that you guys are scared of? They don't scare me. I want you to teach me everything you know. I want to go after corruption at high levels of government. You are taking us to a very dangerous place. Sometimes you got to crack a couple eggs to make an omelet. American Hustle. Mm. Um, here's a movie I don't love but like more every time I see it, this being the third time. <laughs> uh, I don't know, period piece, a kind of cliched crime heist, double crossy, I don't know, but really fun performances. And Yeah, I think that puts it over the top is that it goes over the top. This is 
based on a true story where they just change all the names and make everything 12 times more ridiculous than it actually was. Mm -hmm. And it still works. <laughs> yeah. It just makes it a lot more fun. Yeah, it is it it to to when I to describe this movie in a way that I like it sort of spoils the ending. But mm. con artists who are forced to work for the cops because they've been caught end up conning the cops. Like that's fun. That's yeah. all, that's all real fun. And they yeah. oh oh the friendships they make along the way. It just feels cool in like a Ocean's Eleven kind of way, like like 15 years mm -hmm. after the fact. Uh, and it's from David O. Russell, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I expected like something a little more new or innovative out of him. And so, I, I yeah, I, I remember being kind of mystified by the, the reviews for this thing, but it has to be wrapped up in the performances because they're all really fun. They are so, so fun. I think this is the movie more than anything because it's coming off of uh, Silver Linings Playbook for mm -hmm. Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence and, you know, the same guy and realizing <laughs> Bradley Cooper plays unhinged really yes. well. He is so <laughs> insane in this Yes, movie. and that that is, I kind of love Bradley Cooper for, I loved him in most everything he's in. I loved his directing in Star is Born. And my biggest compliment to him is I can never hear his voice in Rocket Raccoon. And mm -hmm. then I watch this movie and it is, holy shit, is it audible <laughs> once I rewatched it. A little clip like Nor Bradley Cooper, yeah, normally talking kind of quiet or like Sam Elliott. This is just him talking to his boss, Louis C.K. Listen, I need the Sherman suite at the Plaza Hotel. It's okay. Rocket. I have members of Congress that are going to come in right now and try to give the sheik citizenship, all right? They're taking bribes. That's happening right now. That's happening right now. Resorts International, all right? He wants $10 million. I it starts screaming and like, damn, all right, I found it. I found yeah. it. There it is. On-screen oh Rocket Raccoon God. performance. Whatever accent he's doing, New York, Philadelphia, I can't tell. It's vaguely New York, I guess there's kind of a little boston in there i don't know but the man rocks a perm i'll give him that yeah and i think that i don't know if it's a compliment to the movie but i just I'm watching it and it's pretty beautiful to look upon and like it would be fun to play like versions of our parents or things we vaguely remember from our childhood to play versions of those why how can that not be fun um is that odd? well yeah i mean this is one thing that I, I can't think of another movie where hair is a character. <laughs> Everyone's hair is so important to the character. Like they spend all this time on Christian Bale, who is a fat, balding loser and his very elaborate comb over plans. And even like normie characters, they have fabulous pompadours and they've got hair. This movie is bonkers. In some ways I feel like, is, is this movie trying to depict what it feels like to be on Coke? <laughs> because that's kind of like the vibe i mean the, the previous movie, everyone is frantic and weird i thought it was it was a great version of like being uh, not mentally ill but like suffering from anxiety or some other kind of mental illness i thought it was great at that so maybe mm -hmm. maybe it's supposed to be the frantic sweaty cocaine-ness of of it all yeah yeah i it's weird because i had not gone back and watched this you know for 10 yeah, years and this 10 Oscar nominations, one in each acting category, and it wins nothing. <laughs> Zero. It's one of the biggest Oscar losers of all time. Wow. Very sad. 
Um, because everybody's, yeah, everyone's kicking some ass. And uh, there is a certain shaggy doggedness to it of just like, are we, is that really going there? They're really, okay. Yeah, <laughs> they, they really did. Because, yeah, they took, they, they made an interesting story way sillier instead of just, just telling the story. It's a pretty good story. But, but yeah, that's not is... what it's about. It's about these fucking insane characters. And I'm okay with that. Documentaries exist. This is exactly. not the true story. You can find the true story if you want. It tells the narrative that it sets out to do so. And yeah, do, do you know who it's tied for in most nominations and uh, no wins? Oh, um... I, well, the, the biggest Oscar losers of all time are Turning Point and Color Purple. It didn't reach 11 their nominations. Yep. That's 11 it, nominations, zero wins. Who else has 10, though? 10. And no. 10 and no wins. Only two films. Ooh. Ooh. I uh, don't remember what the other ones are. Gangs of New York. <laughs> oh. And True Grit. Yeah. Oh. That, doesn't, that, that feels less satisfying. That's good company to be in. I'm not going to complain. <laughs> and uh, all four acting categories uh, yeah. uh, failed to get their nomination, and that has happened only in two other films. Mm. My yep. Man Godfrey and uh. Sunset Boulevard. Oh. Uh, I mean, God damn. No one can hold a hand with My Man Godfrey, man. Come on. I have no idea what that is. Um, oh, it's so funny. You should watch it. You'll I watch. will watch it. I was too busy watching this funny movie. Uh, James well, I... Before mm. we even get into it, again, we have to talk about which version did everyone watch? There are three versions of this movie. There are? There I have are. no idea what version I watched. Is there an unrated I, Blu-ray or something I like watched, that? yes, there, there is the theatrical cut, which is uh, PG-13. There is uh, an unrated version, and there is an extended R-rated version. Oh, I would have liked to have seen that, because... I, I watched the theatrical, but I'm interested in the others now. Uh, James Mark, among others, it's a huge, one of the biggest, <laughs> most amazing group of cast members in any movie we'll talk about this year or next. James Marsden, though, Christina Applegate, barely is in this. Uh, Steve Carell, Dave Koechner, Paul Rudd, Will Ferrell. It's Anchorman 2, The Legend Continues. Whether you've been naughty... Aren't you going to say something? When you got a fanny like the North Star, wise men are going to want to follow. Or nice. Would you like to see the smile that I use when I pose for photographs? Yes, please. I like you. I like you. Oh. On December 18th... Wow, right on the lens! The comedy event of the year will take your breath away. Look at him. He's a prince. He's not that great. What'd you say? He said you're not that great! Brick! Anchorman 2, rated PG-13. Oh, uh... I, I, I want to just preface this by saying uh, I was obsessed with the idea of Anchorman when I heard about it. I think I read the script and like everybody's name is hilarious. West Mantooth. <laughs> Dorothy Mantooth is a saint. Dorothy Mantooth is a saint. I'm, okay. That is one aside. Uh, I found out that yes, they're, they're, they did try to get someone to play Dorothy Mantooth allegedly. Mm -hmm. And it was, they they asked Angela Lansbury and she immediately said no. Why? Aww. What is wrong? With her? That would have been hilarious. Who else is more saintly than her? It's not that it's in any way worse. It, it, and I saw Anchorman came out. I thought it was astounding. I'd never seen anything that silly, making fun of just toxic machismo, politically incorrect idiots from the seventies. 
fuck it. I still love it quite a bit. And it's just so surreal and weird and wacky. And nobody wanted to make it for a really long time. And DreamWorks was kind of an up and coming. Yeah, let's give this welfare, this elf kid a shot. And then they waited like 12 years. And I think shit all over the idea of even making this movie. Because in the time in between, Paul Rudd and Steve Carell got much, much, much more expensive. The I, the idea that the fourth lead in this movie is now a bigger star than the than Will Ferrell uh, made it a difficult thing to bankroll. But everybody took pay cuts because of how much they wanted to do it. And there's more cameos in this movie than almost anything I've ever seen. Especially in the that scene where all the news anchors from all the it's types almost of too news much. start showing up. It well, it's it's the Family Guy thing. It goes on too long, and then it starts being and then funny. It again. Becomes funny again, and and it's yeah. one of the things like the only thing from the movie I've looked up on YouTube since seeing it. So for a movie I loved, and to finally see his long-awaited sequel, I don't know. It just sort of missed something. I think TV and the internet had kind of bottled whatever kind of humor Anchorman had going for it. Um, and it just didn't feel as special, but it was just as successful financially and has some really great moments. It's, it just, you remember the first Anchorman had enough deleted scenes to make another movie on DVD. That's sort of what this movie, it feels like it, is this a love story with your wife, but then you get together with somebody else and we're supposed to root for that. Like, uh, it's kind of all over the place. It is, it is so slapdash mm-hmm. and, it's interesting that we're talking about this so close to Wayne's World too, because I feel in similar ways where it's like it's so slapdash. But if the jokes are good, I don't kind of care. Yeah. And a lot of the jokes are really, really good. There is a certain amount of let's do that again, but bigger. And that, that the big fight at the end is exactly that. So in 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 period films, films set in a certain period of times, they'll often make jokes about that specific moment in time where it's only because you have future knowledge that it's funny this film has the darkest period joke (laughs) i have ever heard brian any idea what you might do next gonna head back to la got a good group of buddies out there oj simpson phil Spector, robert blake sounds like a fun crew we go out cruising chicks (laughs) call ourselves the lady killers I love that name. You should get it on the back of matching jackets. <laughs> yeah. The lady killers. The lady killers. Mm. Oh, dear. Yeah. Um, See, I think, I so, think unlike Wayne's World 2, most of the things that happen in this movie are alternate versions of the same joke from the first. Kind of, yes. And, I mean, yeah, they kind of redo Sex Panther with different kinds of condoms. Yeah. Okay, there's a story about, yeah, we're doing it again, but bigger kind of thing. This is one thing that's weird, though, is I know I've seen enough deleted scenes that I now know are in the extended edition that I was surprised I didn't see watching the theatrical cut and realizing, like, it being PG-13 is probably hampering some of the jokes. Yeah. So I have heard that the extended, which is about half an hour longer, has even more than half an hour's worth of new material in it and is probably the better version. I would I really wish I would have sought that one out because I because of the nature like we talked about Lord of the Rings, I saw Anchorman in I remember I was in Tampa. I saw it there and then I got it on the unrated DVD and I watched that one dozens of times <laughs> as yep. opposed to my one theatrical viewing. 
one thing I could not find you out eat is that cat poop from the... Burgundy. Eat that cat poop. <laughs> yeah, I. One thing I want to know is I, I could not find much about the commentary because the Anchorman one commentary is Where one Lou, of my favorite commentaries. Where Lou Rawls is brought in for no reason. <laughs> for no reason, he hasn't seen the movie, but he likes when they sing "Afternoon Delight." He really liked that part. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> Anchorman commentary is fantastic. It's so silly. Uh, and this one, like overall, like I guess it's a light recommend. Yeah, did I laugh? It's not bad. Yeah, absolutely. I fucking laughed. There are a lot of good jokes. There's a couple parts that make no sense. Like I like the idea that first we're going to the idea of a 24 hour news. We're going to make fun of that. We're going to make fun of news pandering to people. Yes, absolutely. I think and, you're, and you're doing seeing you're seeing the stories. filmmaker that Adam McKay would become with this. Yeah. He's actually criticizing the news in this one. Yeah, it's like there could have been so much more of that. There's, uh, I mean, honestly, you could tell these are people who they really love the movie broadcast news. Mm. In fact, I paused the movie so I could explain to my husband. <laughs> he hasn't seen it. That the, no, no, the idea that. Spoiler alert, Harrison Ford is early on in this movie as being the big anchor that's going to retire soon and everyone's like wanting that position. That's out of broadcast news. That's Jack Nicholson. I'm like, I see what you are doing there. And I wanted more of that. And I wanted to watch the cut where he turns into a werewolf, <laughs> <laughs> which is one of the versions, but not the one I ended up watching. Oh. Uh, but there's also this plot, the idea that like their boss is a black woman and it shorts out all their brains mm -hmm. black that okay that was funny and then the idea that she that, that ron burgundy is the avatar of a white male failure who <laughs> breezes through life and nothing bothers him and that fucking turns her on that i actually think is really funny but then she takes him to Sunday dinner. No, you should use him as a fuck toy. Yeah. And ruin his life. He should feel what sexual harassment feels like. Mm. Ah, you almost had a point there, movie. Wow. Well, Sorry, that was I'm not sure if Ron me. Burgundy is the best <laughs> spoonful best. of sugar to deliver such a point. Uh, but yeah. If not him who it's hard to, it's hard to not recommend this. It's just I do now that you mentioned I do wish I sought out the extended unrated version. I think that's what I'm going to do over the holidays. Me too. It's like, all right, let's let's just fill in because the plot kind of doesn't matter. No, no, it is basically sketches. So let's just mm. see all the versions of all the sketches. Fuck it. It's, it's, eh. It has the exact tone I like. Um, and at the time, Anchorman came out, they, they weren't making comedies like that, like that. So I, and then I'm such like a comedy nerd, and like, oh, there's uprights, there's brigade people in the cast, little Seth Rogen, and the scene for no reason. Uh, anyway, moving on to television because there's way too much here to talk about. Rodeo Girls debuting on A and E ten years ago, December fifteenth. And they keep it super classy, Ooh. just super classy. Good thing about Darcy in a bikini is everybody's looking at her boobs and not her riding because those are gonna look a lot better than her riding. Ah, she's she's rodeoing in a bikini. Oh my God, that sounds so dangerous! Don't do that. Yeah. Uh, also on A and E, ever classy A and E, used to stand for Arts and Entertainment. Do people remember? Anyway, uh, they placed Duck Dynasty star Phil Robertson on indefinite suspension for comments he made regarding homosexuality. The indefinite suspension. I bet they were favorable ones, right? Uh, I can't I remember imagine. The, I remember the racial things more, honestly. It w wasn't like, wasn't the duck? Weren't they like a? That was like a. It's like a get-up. They weren't, 
where, where it's like an Andrew Dice Clay thing. They eventually became who they were portraying themselves as. Yes, but... that's that's totally what happened. Uh, yeah, I I remember the homosexuality things was bad because you know some people just like to put it with every bad thing you could do sexually. You know, it's things that are illegal. Um, also, but the the thing I actually this jogged the memory of him also saying like I grew up in Louisiana and black people had it better back then. Really? Well, well are you are you sure? You sound like an expert did, to me, sir. Did you ask them? <laughs> yeah, but A and E uh, said this is an indefinite suspension and it lasted several days because wow. then the rest of the Duck Dynasty stars said uh, we're not coming back. And you may forget, but mm. a episode of our show gets more viewerships than the finale of Breaking Bad. Jesus Fuck. Christ. It had more video games, too. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> On to a show I do like, uh, Rick and Morty Anatomy Park. I always forget this is a Christmas episode because it's taking place inside of a rotting homeless Santa carcass. Uh, Jurassic Park parody <laughs> inside... A theme park built inside the body of him. De- he's dead, right? Um, no, he is dying. He's dying. But not dead. Okay. <laughs> uh, don't judge, Morty. You have to make a lot of bad life decisions to rent your body as an amusement park. And this is a classic first season Rick and Morty episode. I'm just going to trust this clip is funny. Relative size. Jerry, hand me a scalpel and a bundle of dynamite. Morty, can you get to the left nipple? Are you kidding? I'm hoping I can get to both of them, Rick. No, Morty, I'm talking about Ruben's left nipple. We need to get to the left nipple. The body is decaying. The arterial transit system is useless. John Oliver is a guest in it. And (laughs) Duncan from Community coming back. Every Community cast member needs to be on here eventually. And I don't think it's happened yet. Uh, I'll never forget the silhouette of the cock rising over the horizon. It's one of the greatest things they ever snuck on to basic cable. Uh, Also on Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, Robot Chicken's Born Again Virgin Christmas Special. <laughs> sure. Um, a little clip from that. Over the river and through the woods to grandmother's house we go. The horse knows the way to carry the sleigh to wide and drifted snow. Cut to shining moment. They're all frozen there. I didn't know the way. I'm just a horse. You guys are GPS on your phones. Why would you use it? <laughs> Horses killed the whole family. Have either of you ridden a horse I through asked, the sleigh? I was listening no. to a Christmas song and asked my dad, mm-hmm. oh, what fun it is riding a one-horse open sleigh. I'm like, oh, yeah, I've never fucking done that. Uh, why would I? And my, I asked my dad, did you? He's like, when I was five in Long Island, yes, but never so, again. <laughs> so take a shot. I have yes. been in a one-horse open sleigh specifically because of the song. There was an opportunity, and I was like, well, I've been singing about this for 45 years. Let's give it a shot. Freezing ass cold, because Mm. it really needs to have a thick layer of snow, and it's open. So you're out there. I'll take a close sleigh with a a thousand horses. A car. I want a car is what I'm saying. One car. (laughs) One, One horse for the entire sleigh. Not going that fast. We're freezing our asses off, and after about three minutes the novelty of living a song lyric wears off yeah. and you're just freezing your ass off 
slowly going through a winter forest. No thanks. Staring at an asshole that may shit at any uh, moment. <laughs> yeah, I, I can vouch for don't live your song lyrics. I had some, spent some time as a tiny dancer in a hand. Not cool. <laughs> Not cool at all. Um, I couldn't even prove the, a Christmas Christmas. Is that is that the title? That's because I couldn't find this any Christmas movie. A Christmas and here's a Christmas clip. Movie. It exists. Did you go to bed with your hair and makeup done? Did you go to bed with your hair and makeup done? This place is amazing. It's almost like we're in a Christmas movie. Holiday falls. Oh, it's like a Christmas dream. It's, it's a parody of a Hallmark movie. It is ago? people who get sucked into a Hallmark movie. Ten years ago, we're parodying this. Yes. Huh. They have not shaken up the formula at all. You'll, Diana, you'll be as disgusted as I am to know. I'm looking for this on IMDb. The amount of Christmas movies with the word Christmas in it twice is far more than you would expect. <laughs> like, how have we wow. gotten to this point? <laughs> Other Gosh, TV movies. I, hmm. I mean, I, I add the trouble of this next movie. I, I tried to look up and found that there are like 14 yeah. TV movies all called this. <laughs> yeah, I think there was a theatrical movie called All I Want for Christmas, which is a TV movie yes. that's 10 years old. Right, and there's a team. There's a team movie in 2013 and one in 2014, and I couldn't figure out which one is which, but they both so, involve magic. Yeah, this is the one where an ad exec gets a magic ring that lets her hear what people want, and she's female. And hmm. if this was not a Hallmark movie, there would be so much non-intentional sexual harassment. Just like a never-ending, oh, that's what you want? You want that. Great. Police! <laughs> oh, I'm so glad. I I can trust my brain to, like, not even do that anymore. Like, oh, this poor guy over here in the cartoon shirt just wants to go home. That's all you would hear from me. <laughs> uh, and, and for my money, one of my favorite things, maybe because it's the first Bob's Burgers Christmas episode, which they're really good about having episodes for every holiday, except this year, which I've want to start a conspiracy about I love Christmas in the car because I want that fucking car the candy cane car I can relate to Linda Belcher who puts up a Christmas tree so early it is dead by the time Christmas comes around and you find yourself struggling for a new tree on Christmas Eve they are chased by a unseen man in a car who does turn out to be Bob Bobcat Goldthwaite a small man who wants to then fight Bob I grabbed this clip just because it's it just highlights the funny dialogue of uh, Bob's Burgers trying to fight him, fight Bob. If you could just help us pull it out because you have a big truck. I'm about to bang your ass and you're asking me for help? Bang my ass? Yeah, bang your ass. Okay. I mean, you mean, okay. I, I've never heard it said that way. What? Bang? You mean beat me up? You know, I think I meant kick. I'm pretty. I think I meant kick. It was like halfway out of my mouth, and I went, "Ooh, that could be taken the wrong way." Come on, well, let's go, let's go. <laughs> just, how did you get bang your ass on network television? <laughs> I feel like there was, anyway. Uh, uh, Tessa Ann Chin on uh, Team Adam Levine wins the fifth season of The Voice, and we were all deeply moved and can remember where we were when that happened. And uh, finally on television, 10 years ago, The Simpsons' White Christmas Blues. I It's weird. I will watch I will watch two Simpsons Christmas uh, episodes, but that is it. I have not seen them all. Um, you can plow through them in a single day. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's not as many Every as the Treehouse of Horror. Every two or three years, they make one. Yeah. yeah. 
Simpsons is Halloween for me all the way. But, uh, Bob's Burgers has become my go-to Christmas episode watching. And uh, yeah. I I don't think they did a thank a proper Thanksgiving episode this year. I'm a couple or... weeks behind, but I haven't found it. So uh, I, I advise you go to YouTube and pull up the My Neighbor Totoro par- parody oh, with the giant, <laughs> the giant turkey that flies. <laughs> All right, this is this is pretty weird. <laughs> if if you use the broadest definition, there have been 17 Christmas episodes of The Simpsons. Wow, 22 wow, minutes half. Each, so you're looking about uh, six and a quarter of an hour. To uh, to watch everyone. That's like you half of that his thirty five seasons as yeah. well. Yeah. And uh, and then moving on to the games of twenty thirteen, it was big because Walking Dead season two. Can this product deliver again? All that remains on XBLA and iOS. And for most people, including me, it did. And then eventually, I bounced off of the Telltale formula. I think before the end of the season. Well, if you play too much of it, you see the strings yep. pulling it. You can only have Bob will remember that mm-hmm. so many times before you realize Bob doesn't remember shit. Nope, nope. <laughs> there's there's not that many finite endings to this, and uh, but it still, is, I wish more games did that. Like this was how many people made the decision you did at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, it's very really neat. Um, and then, and this could be a trick if this game really exists. Wii Sports Club Golf for Wii U. So this is why the Wii U was a disaster. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is the nadir of Nintendo. The next couple of years in the final segment are going to be a big ouch for the big N. Mm-hmm. And it can be traced to this game. Wii Sports was the biggest video game of 2006. 100%. Mm-hmm. You know, I know there were much better games, but they weren't being played by your grandma. I think it's one of the okay. best-selling games of all time. Technically a pack-in, but sold separately in yeah. other countries. Yeah. And I can see their logic. It was like, well, this was a huge hit seven, eight years ago. Let's just up-res it, add a couple of features. We'll have it be at a golf club. Uh, you can do online. And they forgot that the Wii was a fad mm-hmm. and the vast majority of people who are join a fad don't stick with that fad for their entire lives. Nope. Uh, conversely, Cut the Rope 2 comes out on iOS. Uh, to its credit, a really novel implementation of a touchscreen game using yeah. your finger to slice oh. a rope. I have not thought about this or heard anything about this franchise on iOS. However, I have seen an arcade game of it in an arcade semi-recently. Really? Yeah, yeah like I've, a, I've seen it a ton, wow. of, a ton of mobile games have made the... Because, I mean, they kind of cost the same. <laughs> yeah. That and uh, Crossy Road. I see Crossy, Crossy Road in arcades all the goddamn time. Yep. Absolutely. But uh, happy anniversary to Cut the Rope to you little frog lizard-like creature. How could we forget you, even though I kind of did? Uh, and that almost wraps up the show. We're going to tell you who died during this period of 2010 and a little quiz you can play along with uh, about who was born. This is where I tell you to go to patreon.com slash time. Give us five bucks and get over a hundred extra bonus shows, uh, including a ton of video game content lately. I keep threatening... Really like Godzilla minus one, and a lot of my friends did too. So I wanted to maybe talk. Oh, about I that. loved it! I would it love to talk good. about that. Oh, okay, I great. saw it in theaters. It is so glad the I did. best monster movie of all time as a film. I, I think it's the highest grossing Japanese Godzilla there movie may in America. Be better monster yeah. movies as monster movies, yeah. but as a film with characters, yep. yeah, 
best monster movie of all time. I mean, my my lady uh, who I kind of blindsided her with it, she just like, why was that so fucking sad? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, they're not they haven't not all wrestling movies, but just most because of them. it's a serious examination of the post war Japan oh, and being let down by both your society and your government. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Like uh, it, it. I haven't really seen a Godzilla movie try to recapture the vibes of the original. At least not this successfully. Why are we talking about this? That's that's less than a year old, let alone 30, 2010. Patreon.com slash laser time is why uh, we're on there talking about, uh, fuck, uh, Strange Brew, Vacation, and Threatening a Christmas Story. We'll see if it happens. Uh, yeah. And uh, I think uh, Maddie Allen was asking because I have a vast archive of uh, Oscar telecasts, mm-hmm. whether we should go through and watch the Oscars from 93, 2003, 2013. Which I am super on board with, also because they probably still have ads in them, which makes it more fun. Do you have them digitally? Except as we talked about, I have them on disc. Actually, I have oh. them on a drive now. Um, as we talked about, 2003 is actually super boring because it's just Lord of the Rings all night. <laughs> so we might not do that one, but we might do the other ones. I don't know. Well, I might want to watch 2003 just to go, look, they won again. Look, hey, they won again. Told you the they won because they're so awesome. Hey, honey, that movie I told you about won again 20 years ago. Yep. <laughs> about that uh, yeah I mean maybe it could be like ring a bell every time someone says Peter Jackson I don't uh, know <laughs> don't do a shot you'll die yes right, anyway take, just take a drink um, every time you, you see someone who's not allowed to work anymore yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good yeah oh um, Harvey the wine scenes are all here <laughs> or maybe like you can't understand a Kiwi accent for like the technical guys maybe oh, <laughs> yes what did he just say? A bit of a problem. He wants all the kids to get on his deek. Oh my god! <laughs> anyway, uh, sorry, I love that sketch. Um, also, you can follow me on Blue Sky at Listenernerd. L e c i n e n e r d. Next week, whew, we it, oh, it's a banger. Next week, uh, next week, Steve Martin's got too many goddamn kids. Uh, Old men are fucking grumpy. Okay, we might have a knife fight on our hands about the best Batman movie of all time. Ah. No, that I'm probably on not, board with that. That is not the Batman you are thinking of. Mm-hmm. The Conroy Batman of all time. Mm. I mean, I love it. We have the, the early 90s Western boom uh, might hit its peak right here Ooh. with a certain man that nobody liked <laughs> who is your Huckleberry. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. And if that was not enough, Fight Club, Scarface, we are inducting a third film into the trilogy of movies that are fucking great, but the wrong people get the wrong message. Yeah. I do. We're talking Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. I thought you were talking about Ben Affleck's paycheck. We're also going to talk about that and Walter Mitty. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. Also, I have to dig into this 47 Ronin guy because we're talking about that too. There have been some rumors about him and Netflix that are bizarre. I have to dig into them. I don't care. I'm going to go watch Wolf of Wall Street like seven times. Okay. (laughs) And if that wasn't enough, Zelda is going to go to the CDI. Oh, oh no. Is that where all those clips are from? About I can't wait to bump... I can't wait to bomb some Dodongos. <laughs> See, I, I know video game stuff. You do. Why that? Why that? Why waste your brain? Oh. And we're going to talk 
about the hit television show, The Office, coming to the end. The best end? No, not that version. Yes, that version. The one with the best ending. It's a good ending. It's a really good ending. And? And? Jane Henson's, Jim's wife, gives her final puppetry performance. Hmm. No kidding. what that is. Also, I don't know if you have it listed, but I do. Um, Mystery Science Theater is going to have the best Christmas movie yes. of all time. Oh, my God. We're going down South American way. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, God. Oh, boy. All right. I cannot wait. Uh, anyway, Diana, who died during this period of 30, 2010? Well, we lost two interesting ladies in 2003. We lost Susan Travers, who is the only woman to officially serve in the French Foreign Legion. She was 94. Her story is fucking crazy. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It was in mid-yawn, but it wasn't because of her. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, her story's fucking crazy where, like, she was a nurse and, like, she was a, a driver. They would hire, like, women to drive important guys around. And she ends up in this battle with, like, the Free French in Libya. And, like, they tell her to evacuate. And she's like, fuck, no, give me a gun. And and afterward, they're like, yeah, you totally served in the French Foreign Legion. So here you go. Here's your stupid hat. Nice. Here's your stupid hat. And she literally <laughs> waited until 2000. She waited for everyone she knew to die. Then she wrote her autobiography so she could talk shit on them. Oh, shit. Girl, <laughs> loving it. And then in 2013, we lost Joan Fontaine, who was 96. Aww. For someone who was a very big star in the 40s, I realized there's only a couple movies she's really known for. Uh, Jane Eyre, the one with Orson Welles, and two with Hitchcock, Rebecca and Suspicion, which both kick some ass. Also, her sister was Olivia de Havilland, and they had something wow. of a feud. And Olivia de Havilland won by living another seven years. Wow. To 104. Unbelievable. They Unbelievable. Got good genes. Ah, well, with the death out of the way, what do we got, JR? We have the birthday quiz. Born December 20th, 1983, in Los Angeles. So turning. Do you know it? A baby. Oh. Yes. With the original name of Feldstein. His parent. Oh, you know it? I know his sister still uses that name, so yes. Darn it. All right, for yeah. our listeners right. then. Oh. Uh, his parents are Sharon Lynn, a costume designer, and his father, Richard, is a tour accountant for Guns and Roses. What? <laughs> no shit. Yeah. He has repeatedly lost and gained weight and has given a statement. I know you mean well, but I kindly ask that you not comment on my body, good or bad. I want to politely let you know it's not helpful and doesn't feel good. Much respect. Uh, Luther Vandross. No, he's not 30 years old. Um, What could that be? I feel like I know this is recently something was said about this. In 2020, he was found to have sworn on film more than any other actor. (laughs) What? (laughs) Joe Pesci? No. <laughs> 40? He's younger than uh, me. Films of his we've talked about include Superbad, Knocked Up, Get Him to the Greek, 21 Jonah... Jump Street. Oh, right. Yes. Jonah And Hill. next week we'll talk about him jerking it on the dance floor. God damn, he's good in that movie. <laughs> in Wolf of Wall Street. That movie's so fucking funny, man. Uh, yeah. He's also been a voice actor in Horton Hears a Who, Megamind, <laughs> How to Train Your Dragon, all three of them. The Lego Movie, Sausage Party, and Lego Movie 2, the second part. Right. Yep. 
Ah, my dog is mad about it because he was rude to his girlfriend online. Oh. Being a little controlling about like, don't take pictures of yourself in a bikini. These are my boundaries. And it's like, don't don't weaponize therapist speak to be insecure, mm. Jonah. I love you. Also, his sister, Beanie Feldstein, she's really funny. I, I like her a lot. Yeah, forgot that movie I saw her. The Olivia Wilde movie, the one that didn't have all the controversy around it. Yeah. Uh, School oh, movie. Eighth grade? No. No. Yes? Something, something like something that. Something like that. Oh, my God. I don't know. So I, I just, I, I like her. She, please explain the outro. Well, like I said before, uh, as we, we get to the end of the year, we've had the same things sitting at the top top of the chart. So I go through the full year charts to see, <laughs> all right, what are the most popular songs that I have not played all year? And somehow we managed to avoid playing the most annoying ubiquitous 1993 right. song that we still hear and if i hear it in the supermarket i roll my eyes if i hear it in a trailer i roll my eyes so hard they bleed it's so weird they they had other songs on the radio and mtv and then had another album and got eh, some initially good airplay all of those fell away and only this song was left and it it's ruined the legacy of whatever that band was. Holy shit. Holy shit. This We have to. There's no way we can leave 1993 without playing Two Princes. It's, yes. It, it would be so wrong. We're going to unload so Brian Poston's iPod and <laughs> Two Princes, the Sarah Silverman show reference. Two Princes by the sp- this, this Skin Doctors. That's a state reference. I loved it when he called them the Skin Doctors. Um, spin Doctors, Two Princes of a pocket full of kryptonite. Thank you very much for listening. Patreon.com slash laser time. We'll see you next week.